This show is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find the other great shows on the network, head over to the Deluxe Edition Network.com. Bev's Video Kingdom is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Bev's Video Kingdom really is brought to you by. What the fuck? What's up, dude? One of my renters broke the toilet again. That dude takes giant shits. I know what I'm doing tomorrow. Why don't you hire a property management company or something to take care of that stuff? Because they suck, and they take 10%. You know, our dude Hank owns and manages Heritage Realty Partners. I think he said he only charges 5%, and he visits each property at least once a month. That's right. He's always posting beers from the road. You have his number? Actually, I do. His personal number is 805-451-5734. Perfect. Now he can deal with my renter's big shits. Heritage Realty Partners. For all your property management and investment needs. This episode of Bez Video Kingdom is brought to you by Lieutenant Dan's Virtual Running Simulator. Are you tired of sitting on the sidelines while everyone else runs like Forrest Gump? Do you want to experience the thrill of running without actually having to move your legs? Look no further than Lieutenant Dan's Virtual Running Simulator. You just Our state-of-the-art simulator will transport you into a virtual world where you can run into your heart's content. Whether you want to run through a tropical rainforest, sprint through a busy city street, or even race against Forrest himself, our simulator can make it happen. You just ran. And the best part, you don't even have to move your legs. Our simulator is equipped with advanced motion capture technology that will make it feel like you're actually running, even though you're standing still. So why settle for just watching others run while well, you can experience it for yourself with Lieutenant Dan's virtual running simulator. You don't have to run real fast. You just have to keep on running. You just ran. <laughs> Where can uh, I pick one of those up? It's of course, Lieutenant Dan, the one who created that. It's <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> too much. It's too soon. What's up, friends? This is Bev's Video Kingdom, and we are here for, this has been a long time coming. We're here for the 1994, I guess it was 95, it came out in 94, the 95 Best Picture Oscar winner, Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> the way he says that is great. I love it. It's a, it has no accent until that point. <laughs> Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. <laughs> um, so... So we're doing Forrest Gump this week. This is, I mean, arguably top 10 most well-known movies all time. I mean, it's, I'm not saying it's best, but it's definitely like in the lexicon of iconic movies. If you take all the young people all the way up to all the old people nowadays, like I feel like at least in the United States, people are going to know Forrest Gump. Like it it would have been very difficult to miss any reference of this. Like you could talk to them and be like, Oh, I never heard of Pulp Fiction. Like that could, that's possible. I I actually think that's, but Forrest Gump, like how you would have avoided not hearing anything about Forrest Gump would have like, you were a cave or a coma. And And, and, Go ahead. This, I mean, cause this thing was just enormous when it came out. Like, 
everybody I knew watched this movie and, and was talking about it. I mean, it's a $55 million budget. It has a $25 million opening weekend, a $330 million domestic, and a $678 million worldwide. So, I mean, here's the other thing about this one. You think of a few of the like truly, uh, you know, if I was going to just off the top of my head throw together like movies from the last 40 years that would be on this sort of iconic list, you think of things like Goodfellas and like you said, Pulp Fiction and, you know, maybe some, you know, Rocky or uh, Goodwill Hunting or Shawshank Redemption. All of those movies, maybe with the exception of Rocky, are R rated. Like, so when you think about why there's sort of this widespread knowledge of it, it's also, it's a PG 13 movie and it's in some ways like a soft PG 13. There's a few F bombs. There's a sort of like weird jizz scene. Kind of brief nudity ish. Yeah, know, sort of. But of I mean, a little, little side, like if, yeah. if you're a, if you're a parent wanting to like consider what letting your kids watch this movie, you could be like, I'm going to jump ahead 10 seconds, four or five times. And then it's It's good. We're good. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, it's not just that it was not, you know, but it was like appealing to everyone. When's the best, best picture. It's appealing to everybody. It's a huge box office success to, you know, in some ways, right. Tom Hanks was already, you know, a mega star and this kind of like, I think d- d- un- unbelievably took him to a new level. So for me, I, th- I feel like this movie is among the biggest we've done among the biggest we'll do. And in some ways interesting because it wins best picture. It's super popular, but it's not without some real controversy. Right. And, and I don't really mean the like, sort of like, did this hold up? Is this, should this be canceled controversy so much as like, is this really a great movie or is it dog shit? Are these characters <laughs> really likable or are they just completely unlikable? And I think there's like really polarizing opinion, more polarizing opinion as time goes on about these. So I'm ready to get into it. Like I, and it's, it's interesting because up. I don't remember having any controversy at all either. when it came out at all. I remember sitting in the theater thinking just, the whole time going, this is the best thing I've ever seen. At the time, there were some scenes I was like completely blown away. And none of the problems that I definitely saw on my rewatch in the last couple of days, I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Um, and then why wasn't that an issue before? I don't know. The times were different back then, I guess. I don't know. And, and the, the thing that I, that I always appreciate about this movie is that the pace is so just it's constantly before and, and, and yeah. obviously it's obvious because of the 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 time period it 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 definitely tells you as it's moving forward but it consistently moves forward and nothing ever seems like it's like happening for it, too long it's the shortest 2 hour and 20 minute movie i've ever watched because yeah. oh, when yeah. I, when i queued it up i was like oh shit this is 2 hours and 20 minutes when my experience was like i kept being like wow you know we've been way into this and i'm like wait a minute that hasn't happened and that hasn't happened right. that hasn't happened but i'm like i'm dying for those things to to come yeah. and, you know i'm not bored but i just can't believe that we've covered this much ground we have this much left to go but I, but I also think like, you know, to your point, Brad, it's, it moves along at a good pace, but it also, like you say, it's a consistent pace. It's like some movies, they move along at a good pace, but it's like, it kind of has, some, there's a little bit of whiplash. Like it, it's always moving. Sometimes it moves too quickly. Sometimes, you know, it's just not slow, but it's not necessarily the correct pace. This one is like, it pulls you along at such a, like even the moments that are deliberate, somehow still keep the pace that you want, right? He's sitting there on the bench for a period, you know? And he'll have a two or three minute scene and it never feels like it's sitting, right? It always is moving. It's a, it's a collection of short stories, right. you know? And so, and it's like just got with this narrator through the middle. And it's, it's a very interesting, you know, I don't know if I'd ever seen anything like that or seen anything like it since. It's that seemingly, seemingly, seamlessly tying those two together, him telling these stories and then just kind of jumping to each one. 
and that allows it to kind of keep the pace. I mean, really, the only thing that I ever feel like I want to fast forward is the opening. That fucking leaf, I, I, or that well, feather, feather, I, I just, <laughs> well, I immediately hit story. fast forward. I'm like, immediately, I want to hear him start talking because that, that stupid feather takes forever. And, and it's, it's a, it's a well, got the nice okay soundtrack. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's I all think, right. I think the, I think the score felt better over the first time around yeah. this time around. Yeah. So the, the soundtrack is great. Right. The score is, is I think, okay. Yeah. I, I have some thoughts on that. I, I actually, I was thinking about that a lot and yeah, it's not, it's not one of the iconic film themes. You're not going to walk around humming that one in your head. But when I heard it, I was like, Oh yeah, that's kind of nice. And what I like about that, we'll talk about this now is he did, I think he did a good job with this kind of simple sounding melody, almost childlike mm-hmm. kind of nursery, nursery rhyme type theme, which fits well with forest. So I thought it was, it may not be the best, most memorable thing, but I think it's perfect for the movie as far as me. No, oh, I, I, yeah. I completely agree with that. And I think in some ways, maybe that's why I feel like the first time around it like hit exactly. And now right. maybe I'm looking at it as its own thing in some way. But, but I, so I'm curious though, Scott, like you kind of, you, you hinted that you liked it less or that you saw things this time that you didn't and not necessarily in a positive way. So like right. what's your overall take and what's your like take over time? Well, I remember seeing it in the theater and thinking that that was the most amazing experience I had ever had visually the audio. I remember, I don't know if it was a time when theaters were like kind of transitioning to like the THX sound or something that was better. I just remember being in that theater and that shit was so loud and the, the war scenes were amazing and, and the music, you know, when, even when the, the soundtrack comes in, just hit a different way than I ever remember any movie, <clears throat> even like Star Wars movies. It was just different. And so I just remember going, I think I was on a date and I think it was just, a, just a great night. I've watched it. I don't know, shit, a couple dozen times over the years and catch it. And every time it comes on, I just drop my remote and start watching. And it's always just makes me feel good. Last night was the first time I'd watched it from start to finish in a long time. Well, technically I finished it this morning, but I tried to watch it last night. <laughs> I started too late. And um, I did I did enjoy it. I did. But I don't know if it's just because I've seen it so many times, but I did notice a few things that were just a little bit weird. You know, like I remember in the, being in the theater and Sally Field giving it up to the principal. I thought it was hilarious in the theater. This time, eh, that's kind of weird. You felt weird about it? Yeah. Did you feel weird about it? Like you felt like you judged her or him more? I, I kind of judged them both. Okay. Yeah. It was just kind of, it was just creepy. And then, and I, but I was like, well, she's just doing what she needs to do to help her kid. But I'm like, that's, that sucks that she's in that position. It just, it just hit me different and which okay. sucks because. No, I can see that. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't have any, I think my, my reaction when you say that is like, I don't have any judgment of her in a negative way. I think though that like at the time I probably just thought it was funny. It was a gag. Totally. I and thought I, it was funny back then, but now I, I think I've, I definitely felt like that's creepy for him to ask and to basically put that on her. Yeah. And, and in some ways maybe a little more like at the time, I think you, it seemed more like a, like a, like a caricature than it does when I watch it now. I'm like, yeah. no, that should probably fucking happened. Like right. they, they, you know, it's just, that was the situation here. That was the power that she had to try to pull the lever. And mm-hmm. like, you know, that, you know, that I'm sure that kind of thing happened all the time. 
And it's the fifties. I mean, so, I mean, the way he, the way he asks, he's not super upfront. Is there a, a Mr. Gump, Mrs. Gump? Right. They definitely portray him as kind of scummy. He, he right. just, he's like the great scummy actor of all time. Yeah. Oh, he's a great, he's a great scummy actor. He's, he's up there. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So what do you, what do you, what's your, what's your role on this, Brad? So I know where I saw it. I saw it at Turlock Cinemas for sure. And I don't remember who I saw it with or, or I, I remember there being hype like, cause when you said it said it did 25 million first week and that's not necessarily a, a knockout weekend. It's, it's good. Which, it's not now, which means word of mouth probably push this thing. Right. Well, I, I think, think this is yes. a movie that built and built on word of mouth and just kept getting bigger and bigger. I, I, I saw some things where it said like, it, I mean, the number of weeks that it was in the top 10 was like just crazy. Like, I mean, as far as how long it's staying power at the theaters, like everybody's saying you guys, and, and, and you can see that in the movie. I mean, it's going to reach out to, we were teenagers watching it and we were like, oh, this is a great movie. You got to think, how did the, the nostalgia play for like 50 year olds, 60 year olds at that time? Like they probably were like, I mean, this is bringing everybody and their grandmother to the theater, which is, which is pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember seeing it and just being like, oh my gosh. I understand why people are excited about this movie. This movie is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. And Scott, you were talking about the sound and everything. Like there's one thing that still hits me to this day and it just gives me, it gives me a good feeling. And I just, cause it reminds me of that theater experience. Like, you know, back in the day we didn't all have home theaters and th- there was just, you could only get that sound at a, at a good theater. And when it goes to the Vietnam scene, Credence comes in yep. and that helicopter blades are oh whirling. Like, like that just, Fortunate I, remember, son. I remember feeling it in my chest, like the, like the rotors and, and then it comes in just so clean and crisp yep. and it's, it's such a perfect, oh my I, God. I just got goosebumps right now. You described I, I, I totally <laughs> yeah. agree. I'm not kidding. Yeah. It, and that, that was, that was the scene that stood out to me. Almost the big, there's two scenes that stood out. And that was the second one that where I just remember going, oh my God, that just feels so different. Yeah. So, so I don't, I don't want to step on, I had been debating, so I'll just kick this one. The, 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 from that moment, the military scenes in this movie are the perfect uh, the, for me mm-hmm. They're And not just that, I mean, that's obviously a great opener, but it's the perfect segment of the movie. The, 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 I think it's a movie that's too long and too uneven in terms of the stories to have it, you know, I don't know what, what a fucking perfect movie is, but let's just, let's just say, you know, we were asking that question, but that part of the movie is perfect. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like an embodiment of all the things. It's fun and funny, super, you know, intense and loyal and like heartfelt and just, yeah. I mean, I think everything from the, like you said, the, the soundtrack to that part, to the production and the visuals to that part, to the story is just right on all across the board. Yeah. And you meet Gary Sinise's, you know, you meet, meet Lieutenant yeah. Dan and you meet Bubba and like, there's just, yeah, it, it doesn't get better than that part for me. Yeah. And, and just the most, one of the most heart wrenching parts of the whole film is losing Bubba. You know, that scene oh. just, oh, it hurt. It, it hurt still this time when I watched it. It, it. Absolutely. I mean, and, and that's the thing that, and this is what we're going to talk about a little bit with this movie today is, is it, it never gets preachy, but at the same time, there are moments when maybe it should have, and it didn't. And there, and there's, there's definitely a lot of discussion I think to be had about, um, one thing I wrote down was, was, uh, cynics versus optimists. Mm-hmm. Like this movie can definitely hit you a lot differently depending on if you're an optimist or if you're more of a cynic. And so I sometimes I, I kind of can play both roles at times. And there's parts of me like the optimist in me 
loves so many of these scenes in the movie. And in the cynic in me, there's like just so many things that piss me off about this movie. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's so incredible, especially I think I did, I didn't realize at the time when I was young. Uh, uh, so this was 90, 94, summer of 94. Um, I was what a freshman Were we freshmen. Is that what it was? No. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause we just graduated. Well, no, no, we were, we were just finished our freshman just year. Finished. So we were, we were going in, yeah. In the summer after our freshman year. And so it's like, to me, it was just a feel-good movie, like about as good as you can have going to a movie and like. You didn't just, know what cynicism was back then. Yeah, and now my older, just cynical self. You got, you got that curly mustache, just fucking yeah. Like there's an evil it, joker. <laughs> now, so, anarchy. There's fuck everybody. So many parts of it that I'm just like, what the fuck? Like it's just, <laughs> and and of course the technology. I've always been a, a tech guy, and, and I I remember that being something that I had read articles about oh, the yeah. fact that how they they were able to splice him in into all these actual historical scenes. And I remember just thinking like, Oh wow. Like if they could do that, like what, what are we going to see in the future? Yeah, it's funny to think about where we're at exactly on that point. Now. Yeah. But I mean, it was, I mean, at the time it was, it was a big deal. It was groundbreaking. I remember the, the whole, the, like the green screen and like, you know, them I'm stepping on some stuff for later, but <laughs> <laughs> so Lieutenant Dan's legs, you know, I remember reading a, yeah. a magazine article back when there was magazines and, them showing how they did it and how just breakthrough technology and it like frame by frame they're showing here he is with this the green over his legs and then there's here's them with the computer taking the legs out it's like oh my god how the hell they erase yeah. his legs oh yeah but of course from a 2020s context you look at the the mouths on those oh, it's it's so <laughs> fucking crazy. terrible yeah that I, and honestly i remember back hearing about how cool that was back then and even in the theater, some of those mouths just weren't great. Like John F. Kennedy, I think was one that kind of stood out to one that just didn't look good at all. Uh, some of them were John okay. Lennon, like Len- yeah, it was rough. Yeah. But but the 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 legs, the missing legs, yeah, that that, that was still incredible. stands up. That that like, I was watching it closely this time. Exactly, I was doing that same thing. I was <laughs> I was watching this time. I was like, I want to see like. But man, so many of those scenes look pretty damn great. Yeah, for him not having the legs, that, that is truth. So talking a little bit about the sort of, you know, the, the cynic, the optimist and like who, who this hits and, and, and this hitting this big crowd. I, I spent some time and I often do with our movies thinking about like, why do I like this? And and that kind of led me to a bigger question, which is like, why do so many people like this? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, given our opener, it basically hit everybody it hit every demographic it hit, you know, every subset, you know, on, on all the different like cleavages you could, I mean, it just, everybody watched Forrest Gump and, and you know, or people from every group. 300 million worldwide. That means like, I mean, it did uh, an extra no, no. 300 million on top of what it did in domestic. Exactly. So it's like, that's, that's super interesting to me is the, the fact that like, why were worldwide audiences so drawn to this very Americanized movie? I mean, oh, this yeah. is, this is very pure Americana. And why, why were they so drawn? So, so, and I think like, if you think about different kinds of movies, like some movies are huge because they do something exactly right for a particular demographic, right? Like, you know, if you talk about a Pulp Fiction or, or, a you know, a the hangover, right? Like they, they just, it's a huge, huge box office success because it hits this one demographic and every single person that, you know, every middle-aged, you know, like man and woman, goes and sees this movie. Unless your grandma was fucking cool as fuck. You did not go home and say, Hey grandma, you gotta go see this movie, the hangover. You're going to love it. (laughs) Um, So, so there's, you know, so, so, but, but there are movies I think that like generally they have, you know, things for everybody and you know, it's like a little bit for everybody. And I feel like this movie like does both somehow. I think for some people, I think for, for, there's something for everybody, but I think that something for everybody in a lot of cases is really deep, right? Like, 
you look at people that, you know, because of the generational change, right? People that were, that grew up in some of those generations, it hits them because they, that's from their childhood or from their teenage years. And so they, they capture those eras really well and it mm-hmm. grabs a different crowd. There's some people that like struggle with, you know, backgrounds of abuse, right? And so you look at Jenny and you go like, that's a character that you can really, really relate to. Right. People that struggled from, you know, poor background, you know, really poor backgrounds or people that struggled in school or people that, I mean, there's just like, you know, you look at the different characters and the different dynamics and you you think like, it's not just that everybody touched on something. It's like there was something kind of deep for everybody. And, and the other thing that I, that hit me about this movie that I really struggled with until I finally like had a little bit of a light bulb go off was that when I saw this before, I think I, I saw this as a movie that was about somebody who was like, quote unquote, stupid, mm-hmm. who made it anywhere. That's their, that's the movie's word, right? Stupid. And what it really is though, is like somebody who tests a few points too low on whatever the IQ test was at the time that we still use, right? On some level, like academic achievement or problem solving skill set or whatever that goes into sort of like our standard IQ test, somebody that fell below the quote, like the, the normal range. Right. And I thought, saw it as a very simple story then about somebody who had that struggle or disability and was able to be successful anyway without much context. Right. Like it's just, Oh, this is a sort of like, you know, somebody pulling up themselves for their bootstraps or coming overcoming hurdles story. Mm-hmm. And I, when I see it now, like it's very different. So, like I think about this as a story about the way in which we as a society totally misunderstand the way we should be measuring success. Right. Like, I mean, what do you think of Brad when you think of like, you know, when you're in a job working with young people, right. How does everybody think about success? Money. Right. So how do you make money? Right. How did somebody tell you to go make money? I mean, outside of a few people. That okay. Are- so, so for myself, it was like, I always had this idea, like the, for me, my path to make money, I had to be, go to college, you know, and get good grades. And that was how I was going to be successful. Right. So So other than like, you know, the, the Bill Gates or the, like somebody who's just really outside the norm, right. You do well in school, right. From the, from a very young age, right. You go on to college, you do well, you go to a job and you demonstrate all the things you've been able to do in college. Right. And all that stuff is like very academic, very, you know, pretty narrow in terms of what an entire world thinks of as the paradigm for success. Mm -hmm. I kind of see this movie now as I watch it as like, you know, maybe not intentionally, but maybe unintentionally a very subversive conversation about the fact that we really do a shit job of thinking about what makes people successful. And probably if you look at people across their lives, eventually people come to this, right? I mean, the way you define success. So if you think about it, like he is by definition, somebody that is not good at standard, typical academic things, right? That they set us up for that right away. Mm -hmm. But think about the list of virtues that he has, right? He's kind to a fault. He's super loyal. He's incredibly protective. He's really humble. He's incredibly determined. And he's somebody who fought. I mean, this is an odd one, but like he follows simple instructions really well. Right. And every one of those things, there's scenes in this movie that show that like it's a recipe for success. My favorite one for sure is the following directions one. So like the, the line I probably repeat from this movie the most often is gum. That's the best goddamn answer I've ever heard. Like, no, right. like, like, and he, why did you put that instrument, uh, that, that gun back together so fast? Because you told me to, <laughs> sir. <laughs> what is your sole purpose in this military military <laughs> to do everything you tell me to drill sergeant? Yeah. And it's like, you look at that and it's like, it's funny. It's a gag, but right. then you go like, that's a, like, that's a serious strength. Like he goes in and, and like the military is trying to break, break you down and build you back up. So the guy that's like, 
oh, so you just want me to listen to everything you say? That's the goal here. I'm good on day one. Right. Like, and all of a sudden he becomes, you know, so I, I just, I, I see this as like this sort of almost like a treatise on the way we, we miss, we undervalue a lot of things that people have that they just don't get to show because of the way that, or they don't get, they don't get valued generally until they kind of, you know, until much later in life or until they force the issue, I guess. But it was also a little bit ahead of its time because why did he get into college? Because he could run fast. So right. if you're an athlete and you're special, then you get a full ride. Right. And obviously he wasn't going to classes. <laughs> he wasn't, he wasn't pulling a C average. He, he right. just coasted through cause the coaches let him. Yeah. So, which is definitely, I he mean, got his degree somehow. I yeah. Mean, I don't know what classes he, he was said, taking, he, he said he was there for five years yeah. and uh, I don't think he took very many. They didn't show him in any classes. I mean, back then I doubt University of Alabama and you need to do anything but play football. <laughs> that's, that's, exactly. that's pretty much true. I mean, this might be true now, but it's definitely true then. <laughs> my, my, so my cynical side, the, the one trait of Forrest Gump that, that I, I think interests me and, and I think it kind of opens up some things in the movie is because what, what is his level of empathy? Does, does Forrest Gump have empathy? So, I mean, he seems to be empathetic toward, yeah, I guess I see what you're saying though. Like, does he have the, is he, is he demonstrating the ability to put himself in the shoes of other people? Like, is he putting himself in Jenny's shoes? He's protective of her. He's loyal. He's sympathetic, but I'm not sure he, I mean, he actually seems to not get it that he was, she was being abused or like, yeah. Or at the, at the university, I mean, it's like with the, 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 uh, the desegregation, it's like. I mean, he goes and helps the girl, picks up her thing because he's not really just thinking about the situation. Yeah. But, but does he have empathy in that situation? And, and and I think that that there's there's they kind of use him as a tool to be like, oh look, there's good people. But it's at the same time, I don't think he was ever like processing what other people were going through. Which yeah, he was when he was running in and grabbing all the soldiers. He wasn't going in there to save guys. He was looking for Bubba. Until he, gets, <laughs> until he gets to Bubba. Then so he finally like, found Bubba. So what's funny about that is I think that's part of why I think it's the perfect scene is or perfect series because he, that's the that's a moment where he like he gets it and he lies to Bubba right like it's the only time in the movie that's where true. he's able to be like I need to comfort you by not telling you the truth by like I get what's happening here and I I can't I can't tell you that and so in some ways like maybe that's the only moment of true empathy is that he really gets it. Have you, have you guys heard the story from Tom Hanks of what he says that he says when the uh, wires get pulled out when he's at the uh, the protest rally? I've always wondered. I uh, know. What is it? Okay. So he says that it, what he says in the mic is what I have to say about Vietnam is that some some people go to Vietnam and they don't come home with any legs. Some people go to uh, Vietnam and they don't come home at all. And that's all I have to say about that. Dude. Damn. Oh, man. Which like... It's a very, I mean, on it's, it's a very specific thing to say, like, but right. is it empathy? And that's, that's like knowing that it's like, it's not necessarily empathetic. It's just him being observant. Like this well, is what but, I saw within my own little Well, but there, I viewpoint. guess I, I don't, I mean, I think of empathy is like, I think that's like heartbreak. Like, I don't think he's yeah. demonstrating empathy. I mean, that's, that's a very centric, himself centric take, right? Which yeah. is he hurts because of Lieutenant Dan and he hurts because of Bubba. Maybe Lieutenant Dan less so at that point because he really isn't quite as close with them, but I mean, I, 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 that's a really good question. I guess I'm not sure though, that that's a, like, I'm also not sure that that's a, that's a requirement for me either. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those things where maybe I would say that's an important thing to be empathetic, but there's a lot of other things you can be that are really great, you know, and maybe, Oh yeah. The, the loyalty, the, uh, uh, like I said, the, the determination, like the, 
Um, I mean, the fact that he is dedicated as hell when he puts his mind to something like, I mean, whether it's football or whatever, I mean, he, he, he puts, goes all out. So, so the, the other part of the sophistication here, and it's not an empathetic thing, but like it's subtle is he also has a very clear hierarchy of values. So he has, he's a, in, kind to a fault, but protective also he's, uh, you know, and you see this because like he's, he would never hurt anybody. He's the kind of guy that you look at and you go like, you would never hurt anybody. You, I can't, you're not a violent confrontational person. And then anyone touches Jenny he's like, I'll beat the fuck out of you. <laughs> right. He just vi- like, not even just kind of like, I'm going to separate you. He just fucking unloads. Like he loses his mind when he, you know, the same as like the military scene is another reason I love it. Like he, he's the, he's the greatest soldier in terms of obeying orders to a fault. I and mean, he's Emilio Bedelia. Like he, he just goes full out until the moment that Lieutenant Den says that's an order. And he's like, fuck off. Well, like, that, that's, so, that, so that's a lower value for me than, than going and being loyal to my friend. I had another thought about that. And and, it, and, it, and I hadn't ever thought about this until I was watching it recently. Well, until I watched it just a couple of days ago is when, um, he's talking about, there's always interesting things to do. They, they throw that grenade in that, in, in the, the, the little tunnel that the, and so it blows up, they give Gump the flashlight and the gun to go in there. Now, is he just dropping VC? Like, like Charlie, whoever's in there, is he just unloading with that gun? Like it, it, like just because that's what he's told to do that where I really started to have my conflict is like, is he just killing people? Like, is, is that what he's doing? Cause I mean, that's what the idea is. If there's anybody alive in there, he's supposed to be killing them. And, and, and the joke is that's like, they give it that him that job because they know it's one, it was one of the most dangerous jobs is going into those tunnels. Right. Like, I'll do that. Right. And he does it, but like, is he just blowing people away in there? If, if they're, if there's bad guys or, I mean, I mean I'm I, quote you know, unquote bad guys. Tunnel rats is that's one of the dangerous, most dangerous jobs that was ever in Vietnam. From what I understand. Yeah. Like the, the, you're crawling in one of those holes. There's trouble. There's booby traps. There's people, there's all kinds of stuff. So yeah, he's just going down there and they're like, who are we gonna send down? Let's send down Gump. He's not smart enough to know that there's trouble down there. Well, then some say, is he good at it? Is he is like I said? Is he just unload? Is he just, yeah, he, maybe is he, he capping people because like that's where I get like the the idea of like what what's going on here? Because is he just killing other human beings? Like, yeah, I mean, I, I I guess my thought on that is like, I mean, this is murky water, but you know, he's following the rules. But I can imagine conditions under which he wouldn't. Right? He probably doesn't kill a kid in that tunnel. Right? He probably says, "No, that's I don't. That doesn't." But, that that violates my hierarchy of values so that I won't follow your orders. But he does everything that the drill sergeant tells him to do. So wouldn't he be told to and, do anything he wants? Like, until Lieutenant Dan tells him not to go back into the jungle. But that's only to say Bubba because Bubba right, exactly. is part of his hierarchy of love. Yes, but I'm saying he probably also has like, uh, I imagine that if I'm, if I'm trying to fill out, you know, Forrest Gump's sort of tree of values, not killing children under any conditions probably is a pretty high one, right? Like if I had to guess, right, we don't, we not see that, but I'm just saying it's clear to me that he doesn't have a problem sorting through like when he's going to prick one sort of maximum over another. I mean, I don't know, but I mean, it's an interesting point, right? That is probably why they send him down. Cause he's like, if, if these are other soldiers and they're here by their own choice, then fuck them. Yeah. Like I'll shoot them. That's what they told me to do. <laughs> he doesn't ask questions. He just does what he's told. That's exactly and right. No PTSD for for him when he gets home. That's right. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. So I've got, I've got another question for you guys. And this is a serious one. Is he the greatest multi-sport athlete of all time? Oh boy. He's a like all American football player at Alabama. Right. 
Probably, maybe we don't see track, but he was probably running track in the well, spring too. Well, let's just call him an ultra marathoner. Forget about the track, oh, right? Well, yeah. He's a legit ultra marathoner. I mean, this is yeah. a thing, right? Well, we're like, talking about his speed, though. So he was also a no, sprinter. No, he's a sprinter and an ultra so a sprinter. <laughs> he's a sprinter football player. He's an ultra marathoner. Like maybe the first ultra marathoner. By the way, one of my favorite things early on when he's a kid and he's running, like, the scene cuts and all of a sudden like he's like so much farther away than uh, the camera and there's a cloud of dust behind him. That cloud of dust is the greatest touch. It's just so great. So cartoonish. Yeah, so awesome. And then he's world-class ping pong. Like, right. I mean, he, he's in the military playing, but you can assume that if the Chinese government is putting up somebody to play and they're not just like absolutely killing him at every point, this guy's top 50 in the world. Yeah, he's, he's one of the best players in the world. Like the, the best like 10 ping pong players in the world are all from China. I mean, people sit around and watch him practice. So like he's, he's gotta be pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, and I don't want to, I don't want to toot my own horn here, but I could probably beat Forrest Gump at ping pong. Are you, are you the best BVK uh, ping ponger? Oh, <laughs> I'm happy to go down and demonstrate this for you, but you know, the answer to that. Have you, have you, have you smoked Zach before? Cause I know you can smoke me. Bro. I, Zach's not, Zach never participated I, in your ping pong. Ask Zach next when he comes on. Okay. The, the, Later. Speaking of which, we, we never really said anything about uh, uh, Zach is going to be here at some point. He says he's on his way. He no texts. Yeah, no, no, this no. guy, he's got a, this new mystery life. We we don't know if he became a spy or or, or something going porn on. Porn star, I think. Okay, yeah, one or the other. Roomba porn star. <laughs> Ever since his, <laughs> his, 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 tria, his, his tryst with his uh, Roomba. Room, Roomba Ron, they call him. <laughs> Roomba, Roomba porn. Uh, uh, and also, I, I was going to also mention that, you know, uh, we're part of the Deluxe Edition Network. Okay. Yeah, we are. Mm-hmm. And don't they have a pot of the month? Yeah. I Who mean, is that? You know, it's us. It is. And, and we've made so much money off of this, <laughs> folks. Like, we're actually in a new studio. Like, we're in a new studio tonight. We're actually yeah. back to the original BBK <laughs> indoor studio. This was where the basement tapes were. No, actually, I guess it wasn't. Once the basement tapes came out of the basement, but weren't quite in the. Yeah, because uh, those were all Zoom. Yeah, episode one was right here. Yeah, I remember episode, walking up these stairs. All, yeah. I was all scared. I didn't yeah. know what I was walking into. You guys are all professional. Get your ass <laughs> up here and record a pod, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, we thought it was going to be raining, but it actually is not raining. But uh, we, we decided to go up here just in case. It feels nostalgic. It I, does. I kind of like it. I feel like it you know, it fits the Forrest Gump theme. It's got me all thrown off because the desk used to be on a different spot. And now I'm yeah. looking at this desk. We rearranged. The, we, yeah. we remodeled the, the BBK studio. So check, check out the deluxeeditionnetwork.com. It's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. No, the deluxeeditionnetwork.com. And uh, check out the other uh, amazing uh, podcasts that are on there. And also, you can vote for up until, I think, the 1st of April, I think, is when the voting ends. I think 1st of April or May. I don't remember. It <laughs> yeah. might be, be crazy. I think it's that. April. Um, you can vote for The Denny's. And we are up for Podcast of the Year. And um, there's also some other great podcasts. Uh, categories you can vote for we every podcast is on the network put up some categories it's a lot of fun so go check it out and there's others i want to just you know quick shout out right there's some stuff that's very similar to us right like the uh, barrel age flicks which we've been on mm-hmm. they just did a top five buddy movies oh yeah which we've had some similar ones and that's a great episode it's one of their tasting rooms it's kind of short super right. digestible yep you got to check that one out it's really good um, I just listened to real drunks, uh, their pot about stepbrothers and, you know, stepbrothers are a classic and there might be some BBK news about stepbrothers, uh, in, in the works. So just stay and, tuned. And end of the that. summer. I'm thinking there might be might some, be. some important things mm-hmm. to hear about regarding stepbrothers and BBK. So just and keep I, that in mind. I just started the, the Stephen Gervais and friends podcast on the history of the Detroit lions, Ooh. which you know, I assume is just 
the beginning of the pain. <laughs> it's, it's, it's watching Barry Sanders highlights and that's pretty much it. Oh, but anyway. Barry, Barry Sanders. <laughs> oh, he was, if you just need like 10 minutes of just what the fuck just happened, just watch Barry Sanders highlights in 10 minutes. Oh hey, my gosh, he was so good. NFL prognosticators are already saying that the Lions next year are, are kind of with that little dark horse team. Like oh, they, like they ended, in, I think they ended like 7-2 or 7-1 or something. So like they, they were rolling at the end of this they, year. They were yeah. feeling themselves. They've made some good pickups and uh, we'll see what's going well, on. They'll probably, that just means they're going to break the fans' hearts a little later in the season. I like that. Uh, anyway, <laughs> if you want to know about the origin, Steve, Steven Gervais and friends just did it. So there's a lot of great pods uh, on the on the den and you should check them out. We are part of that network. Yep. All right. So any final opening thoughts before we uh, get our special guest in? here? I, I do want to bring out one other thing, which <laughs> so the book is very different from the movie. I've never actually read the book, but I've looked at I've looked at some articles that talk about the differences and, and there's some very significant differences. Um, but what was even more incredible to me is that the director. Uh, no, actually, it wasn't Zemeckis. It was that I think the screenwriter or maybe the producer, they had an idea for the second Forrest Gump movie and they were already starting to talk about it. And then September 11th happened. And I was wondering if you guys could even guess of the exploits of Forrest Gump post Forrest Gump in the eighties. What, what kind of things do you think he got involved in? Oh my gosh. I remember this is what they had these ideas prior to nine 11 because nine 11 basically kind of kiboshed it. And they were like, we're not going to do Forrest Gump. He became a, like, did he, a, like a bomb maker? Did, did he start an alt band? <laughs> did he put on a flannel? It's 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 way probably crazier than you could even imagine. Crazier so, than him starting an alt band? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think so. So let me get let me get to this real quick. So let's just hear. This is from the screenwriter. I had him in the back of OJ's Bronco. Oh jeez. <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh, yes. Um, he would look up occasionally, but they didn't see him in the in the rearview mirror, and then he'd pop he'd pop down. That just sounds ridiculous. Uh, becomes a ballroom dancer and is so good that he ends up getting to dance with uh, uh, Princess Di. Okay. Yeah, that sounds right. And then he uh, Gump's son. Uh, well, I'm actually not going to say that one because that's going to that's going to come up later. Um, but the the final one was he meets a native american woman on a bus and he ends up becoming a, a bingo caller at like her uh that, at, at, the, at the reservation you're, you're, are you are making that up no 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 <laughs> and then on, he's dude. waiting to go to lunch with her while he's in oklahoma and she happens to work in the daycare at a federal building and it's the fucking oklahoma city bombing okay and it blows up like while he's like waiting on a bench outside and she does. It's just assuming that yeah, if she worked in the daycare, that's like the, the the part that like got the most devastation. So, so I can see why they canceled. Yeah. So and then 11. that's this is right before nine nine eleven happens, and then they're like, yeah, I don't think we're gonna do. Sounds this. like a great movie. But I was right. like, I mean, just what real, the real fuck, upper. dude? Real in the like, back of the upper. Bronco, that oh, you had me at the back of OJ's Bronco. Oh. I had to check this article <laughs> twice to be like, is this an Onion article? Like, what's going on? <laughs> that does here? not sound real. This can't, well, how the fuck would he end up in the back of of uh, what was the guy's name? Uh, a, uh, uh, Al. Al, Al uh, Cowlings. Al Cowlings, yeah. How is he going to end up in AC Cowlings, the back of his uh, <laughs> Bronco or, or OJ's Bronco or whatever? Like, Oh, man. I mean, I think the bingo collar part's the craziest, but okay, so... <laughs> So uh, let's uh, let's move along, and uh, I don't know, maybe have some drinks with uh, with a guest. What do you think? I'm all about that. Pull up a chair and grab yourself a drink. Hypothesize what directors think. Maybe 
sometimes get a guest makes us look good. Let's drink, laugh, and pretend we know what we're doing. Drinking with the director brought to you by Last Call Brewing. Welcome back. <laughs> we are here with our drinking with the director section, but here's the thing. Zemeckis just doesn't cut it. I mean, his historical chops are fine. I think, I think he fudged some of the he facts. Yeah. Everybody knows that like the issues here are kind of some historical issues. I just watched El, uh, Elvis, Boz Lerman's Elvis, and I was like, when the fuck is Elvis going to meet Forrest Gump? I was like, what's going on here? Yeah. All <laughs> this shit that I learned about Forrest Gump yeah. was complete bullshit. It was a lie. Zemeckis lied to you. Yes, what, he did. Yeah, so I don't want to talk to that fucker. So uh, we brought on the true, the real expert, and that is our sister from the Deluxe Edition Network, Dawn, the host of history I'd like to fuck. Don, what's up? <laughs> oh my gosh. Hi, guys. Oh, I'm so <laughs> delighted to be here. I, I mean, truly, like, it is, it, you have to know it isn't frequent to be brought in as an expert on any goddamn thing. <laughs> um, and, and, and if on the rare occasion I am brought in as an expert on something, they rarely encourage me to drink. They just overlook it. So what a it's required here. What so, a dream. Well, let's kick off, kick it dream. off here. So, so Don, what are you drinking? Because we we are sponsored by Last Call Brewing, uh, who earned a oh. ten year sponsorship by just making a beer that rhymes with our name. It's pretty. That's yeah, no, no. It didn't just rhyme. Dude. We fucking manifested. And, that and shit. We I said it. that we need Last Call Brewing to make a beer called BBK IPA, and they did exactly that. And not only that, they doubled back and made it twice. With and the, they the are fucking guy. amazing. And they made I a ton of money on them. A, a ten year plus <laughs> plus one year, or no, maybe it was a lifetime. It was it was ten uh, plus a one plus lifetime. I think. They're they're, yeah. yeah, whatever. It's kind of like yeah. when you get life in prison, but, but twice. Yeah, six six like, six life sentences back consecutively yeah. it was not negotiated <laughs> all right. properly at all so <laughs> so so don so so what are you drinking to kick us off well i i it sounds like it's the second best beer out there according to your endorsement but i have two i'm two fisting it because i put oh, my daughter to yes. bed before i joined you guys and so i have in my right hand they're both equal i'm not ambidextrous but these are equal um i have a pretty basic maker's mark whiskey Ooh. oh nothing basic okay. about that uh on the rocks it was delicious and it, you know the ice is doing its thing it's beautiful and then i had i was just gonna have whiskey but then right before i plugged in to the podcast i saw that i had a leftover guinness from saint patrick's day oh, oh, shit. and so I went ahead and I, I made it a, a chaser, which it's, it, you know, it's beneath a Guinness to be a chaser, but it fits. The theme. Wow, that, that works, works perfectly. What, what's your, what's your favorite uh, whiskey? What's number one on the list? Oh, I've probably drank the most amount of Jameson. Okay. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. But I can't say that that's my favorite. It's just what you got. Have, have you had, have you had, I, I like a, I was going to say, have you had I like the, a bullet rye? The Jameson. I like a oh, yeah. rye. Nice. Oh yeah. Yeah. Have you had the Jameson yeah. Stout Barrel Edition? So no. yeah, so they have a Jameson that Stout I Barrel. <laughs> yeah, and so um, I mean, you're drinking Guinness now, which is a stout and some whiskey. I think you might like that Jameson Stout Barrel. It's really sweet, it's, and it's actually you can find it on sale for like twenty bucks, and it's the best twenty bucks you'll ever spend. So check it out. Ding ding. We, we ding ding. My my husband and I have this tradition where whoever, if we stop at the liquor store, 
we always buy the person who didn't go in because we have a child, uh, one of those mini bottles at the register. Uh-huh. And whatever you want, the dealer's choice. But the deal is when you come back to the car and you bring it into the car, they have to drink it immediately <laughs> before you get home. That's uh, a hell of a tradition. I'm, I'm stealing that. <laughs> Oh my gosh! And I'm telling you, I mean, he did. I would, I would, I am not lying. I'd be breastfeeding in the car, waiting for him. He'd come out and be like, like, "You pound that bitch. You drink it right now." That's right. Looks like it's a 99 bananas for two. All right. No 99 bananas. (laughs) Yep. Buckle up. Uh, Buckle up. Okay, so we're talking Forrest Gump, and I know. What what about our drinks? I don't care about what you're drinking. Uh, You guys want to talk about what you're drinking? Go ahead. I'm going to talk real quick because it is a last call beer. It is Operation Nectaron. Um, that is a nice little noc- uh, Nectaron pale ale. It is single hopped. It's tasty as fuck. And, you know, I, I drank a BVK IPA earlier off of the draft. So, you know, you can only, you can only have like one of those, though, because it's a, a seven a seven plus beer. And if you drink a I few of those. The director cuts an eight one, isn't it? No, no, we're not up the eights. We weren't that high. But yeah, it's still. <laughs> I agree to disagree. Okay. Two of those will, will be problems. Because then it'll lead to three. So uh, yeah, we're, it's a we're recording this a week after St. Patty's Day, and uh, I, I realized I had a gig on St. Patrick's Day, and something I, I realized is when I drink beer and I play music, I, I get the burps, and as I'm singing, like I'll, I, I, it's and I, I don't know why. Like at last call, I haven't had that issue, but like I was kind of drinking some Coors Light at a gig recently, and I was like I started burping, and I was like in the middle of my phrases, and I'm like, all right, I got to stick to whiskey, and so. This last week, since it's St. Patty's Day, I was drinking a little bit of Bush Mills, 16 year. This was a a, a gift from mm, um, mm. from our buddy Hank, um, who oh, came on, King of the Hoisters, King of the Hoisters, and uh, so I thought it was appropriate <laughs> to drink that tonight. There you go. Nice. I do. I like a Bush Mills. Yeah, it's tasty. Dude, that sounds delicious, Scott. I wish I was there. I'm unfortunately in a hotel room in Sacramento and. Right before we started this segment, I said, all right, I'm going to go grab another beer, guys. And I walked out of my hotel room and this door shut behind me. And I immediately said, I've forgotten my key inside of the room. (laughs) And so I had to go down and not only get another beer, but also get another key to my room. But I am back (laughs) and I've got my Elysian Space Dust IPA. Absolutely delicious uh, local beer. And it tastes extra good when you have to go sheepishly tell the lady at the front desk that you've locked yourself out of your room and you don't have your ID or the key to your room. Space dust is worth Please. locking yourself out for. I, I, I agree. Agreed. It could have been a love connection. If it was a 90s like romantic comedy, it'd be like... That was my meat cute. I hope. She's like, I love space dust. You're the one. <laughs> my alcoholism brought me out of my room. I'll give you the key here, to my heart. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, Don, my opening question yes. is this. Forrest yes. Gump is both famous and infamous for its historical its historical scenes. So mm-hmm. where do you fall on this being charming versus being aggravating? 100% charming. Okay. But but I am I you'll also find that I am not a snob with this stuff because I'm a history fucker. So my job, I feel like my job is to get the accurate stuff and to try to be like the one who knows things. And however you come to the trough, baby, the history trough. Not a lot of people get it up in this. <laughs> General people think history is, you know, really people think history is boring and they hate it and they, it turns them off right away. So if 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 Forrest Gump curls your toes and allows you to tolerate me 
talking to you about Nixon or you know what I mean? Then I'm for it. Then I'm for it. So it's like, gate, uh, it's like gateway, gateway history. Gateway. It's similar, like Inglorious Bastards or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like I, compl- I totally love what Quentin Tarantino does with history, um, because accuracy. It's one of those things with history where there is no such thing as historical accuracy. Oh, They're always coming through some fucking. You're speaking, it's really you're speaking true. my language. And, and, you're, you're stepping on my next question. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really true. Even even people say, oh, well, the most accurate thing was the the, 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 the Bible. account that was taken right then. You know, whoever was right next to the account, they're the ones who we should take as the expert. When the truth is, for some things, you need a couple hundred years to actually know what the fuck was going on and to see through the cloud. And sometimes it's the opposite. And sometimes, you know, the person who wrote the definitive history was a cocksucking, you know I mean, liar. And and yet that was the history we, we received. So w- within or without movies, there's always mm-hmm. a historiography to seeing the, the teller and the winner and the loser and the lens. But it's the no winners, different than your life, you know. The winners, the winners write the history, right? I mean, that's the that's the saying, right? Winners, winners write the history books. But I agree with you, Don, and that's why I love Abe Lincoln, Vampire Slayer. I think that that <laughs> yeah. movie really just kind of shows exactly what happened. And, Listen, you, know, you you stop laughing at him, you pricks. <laughs> right? He's hundred percent right because it is. It is even like uh, Titanic. You know, and I hated myself for loving Titanic because I wasn't sophisticated about history yet. And I thought I needed to be a snob to be serious. But it was great. I mean, that movie got people to think about what was going on in 1918. And, you know, fuck it. So what? Rose Dawson, the door. Fuck your door. You know? (laughs) I mean, come on. The most unrealistic part was the orgasm she had inside of that old car. I mean, be serious. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that hand that was a handprint of exhaustion. <laughs> that was, that was, that was. Since we're talking orgasms, any chance that <laughs> Forrest actually <laughs> jizzes in the robe based on just the boob touch? Oh, oh for man. I think so. I think so. Too. I think so for sure. I mean, because I mean, obviously, he hadn't had any experience with anybody that's at that point. Yeah, and so that's he's his gone, first. He's he gone through puberty without ever touching himself. Is that what we're trying that's to say? All, no, I'm saying he's he's probably not doing a ton of jerking off, right? So he's right. like, it's loaded all the time. Okay. Yeah. That's a, and, and and that's the so or not he, he hasn't he's he, has, not, he hasn't seen any any porn he hasn't seen any playboys it's like that's here's a titty that he's touching and you know that's gonna cause things to happen i know his mom leaves the window open when she fucks so i mean that's he's down point. there he's down the porch hearing uh, all sorts of fucking that uh, and, mrs and, gump and, is and doing and you know he's processing it because he mocks that dude <laughs> relentlessly yeah in my opinion in my professional opinion the no hands ejac is a lot more difficult than you guys are making it out to me. I, I, I think that uh i think that that's, that's a fair. tough transition i think that uh holding your uh your your, your lady friend's robe over your uh over your genitals is, is not going to make it happen for you but i don't know maybe i could be wrong I, that's fair i that that does seem like a question i, I don't want to say that i am not better than the director but that is a tough <laughs> question to answer i would i i would say though there are some people i know especially at certain phases of your like approach sexuality where like the idea of of actual contact is so overwhelming yep. that it is not you makes you nauseous yeah like he, I don't know. It's he not easy say, to admit. I'm dizzy. Like, yeah, like, oh, God. I'm dizzy. Like, it's similar, but it's similar. Like, I took my daughter to Disneyland, 
And, you know, you think you want to see these princesses, you know what I'm talking about? And then they come, they're like walking up at you with the castle behind you. And she was a little bit like, uh, 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 you know, uh, <laughs> like, like, yeah, it's what I always wanted. But in right now, I think I'm going to just throw up it's and I have much. to go. It's yeah. too much. Yeah. A little overwhelming. Um, okay. So, so I want to, can I return to the, to the accuracy point <laughs> and not to get super epistemological yeah. here, but I'm going to, so this is my, this is, I, I was ex- hoping you were going to disagree with me and we could, I could call you names and stuff, but you didn't. So uh, this, oh, is, this, this is my big like boner. This is like the, the, what I think is like the, the stupidest thing that people often say is that like this movie's not historically accurate and it pisses me off. And I'm like, the history books aren't historically. I mean, the idea of historical accuracy is a total figment, right? Like, and even to your point where you're, where you're talking about the fact that, you know, we, we have to choose, you know, a time period that we're looking at it or who we're listening to. I guess my contention is that like, you never know, no matter how long you have or who you listen to, right? Like there's always a potentially another voice. There's always potentially another explanation. If, if there wasn't historians would be out of business, right? Like this is what yeah. the discipline of history is, is this, like constant, you know, it's sort of, you know, when done well, I think it has a parallel to this like scientific paradigm of, you know, no theory is ever correct. It's just the best available until we prove it wrong, right? No history is ever correct. It's just our current understanding based on whatever constellation of voices we have and documentation we have and perspectives we have. But I mean, you know, obviously there are, there are movies that intentionally take liberties, but I think it, it, it feels more bothersome if you think there is some like ultimate truth as soon as you accept that, like, you know, none of this shit is believable, right? In terms of in absolutes, then eh, why am I so bothered that this movie does it? I don't know. Yeah. Is, is, there, is there a question? <laughs> I don't in know. That? Yeah. So anyway, what do you think of my answer? What do you think of my take? <laughs> I think I think it's a great perspective. Well, here there's two things I think. I think one is one is that I generally look at movies in particular for their historical appropriateness versus historical accuracy. So it is like you know did he meet nixon no did a guy named forrest gump ever meet nixon i don't know i think actually probably if you had the technological ability to like filter through all of the individuals who ever actually met nixon there's probably some fucking guy named forrest gump and then everyone would you know what i mean but who cares that's not what we're looking for in this movie he was alive at the same time so when i say historical appropriateness i just mean that they suggest that these two people lived at the same time maybe they met and what if they met? And so if you want to start with like a basis of historical possibility and then ask the question, what if? I think this is a perfect place for movies to live in. And I think that Forrest Gump kind of as a film gives a real um, nod to the audience and that I don't need to explain to you who Nixon is. I don't need to explain to you how weird it is that he met all these people. I'm just going to show it to you. And if you get it, you get it. And if you don't, you get it five years later when someone explains it to you. But it doesn't diminish this movie at all. You can tell because it's historical footage that it was important. You know what I mean? And maybe an adult explained it to you or maybe you figured it out later. It, it, it still, you know, doesn't doesn't matter. Things like Braveheart, okay, <laughs> which is very big deal for me just starts to itch a little bit at what you may have been suggesting because Braveheart does suggest that William Wallace impregnated the Queen of France who was actually only four and there was no way they could have met so in those instances sometimes I kind of get like why you could have made up a woman to be his love interest who by the way was his second love interest in the movie and why did she have to be the queen it was fine it made a great movie but those are the instances where william wallace and the, it's such an absurd history even from the 90s that people went humped along for centuries being like you know 
that happened. <laughs> and that's when you get like, I don't, I feel, I feel like rarely I feel an in the instance where my historical nerd needs to step up and be like, actually, she was four and <laughs> it was really a <laughs> Did you see Regina you know. King's uh, movie One Night in Miami? Have you seen that no. before? Okay, so I it, have not. It, 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 it's a it's an interesting because there was a historical actual night where Muhammad Ali, uh, uh, Jim Brown, Sam Cooke, and Malcolm X all stayed at a hotel room in in Miami together. And amazing, she, she writes. Uh, or, or, I'm sorry, she didn't write the movie, but she directed the movie. They all the, shared a hotel room. They shared a hotel room together oh, in Miami. I, I didn't know that. And, a and, hotel and, room? And, that sounds fucking wild. And and the, the movie just takes place like basically in this hotel room of them. Now, obviously, there was no audio recordings of this conversation. And, and anything that they have from the conversations will be more anecdotal. But they actually kind of recreate what this night might have been like between these four guys. And it's it's really an interesting take because, I mean, you've got four gentlemen who come from very different walks of life. And, and but I mean, black men at a time in history where, uh, uh, I mean, civil rights and things like that are, are at the forefront and they are uh, just kind of talking about life and, and all sorts of things. It's, it's a really interesting take because, you know, it's not actual. It's not accurate. It's not exactly what happened. Yeah, this night. I, heard, I heard what really happened was they just told yo mama jokes all night. <laughs> 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 well, you know, I think, too, the thing is, you have to look at history, and it's even these big moments in history, in a way, whenever I get kind of lost in the in the sauce, I tend to think about it through the lens of your own life, and that you know, for example, there was that moment at pick a date, your wedding, your, what, your high school graduation, where your uncle, who's now dead, met your future ex-girlfriend. Like, you know there was a moment that these people all coincided, that whether they knew it at the time or it was even true at the time, it was like a huge explosive moment. And you wonder what they might have talked about, what they might have divulged to each other even accidentally or what they may have even been aware of, you know what I mean? And and that happens in everyone's life or even just recalling your own history, how you accidentally or intentionally rewrite <laughs> yeah, think think if you had to make a, if you had to make a, an autobiography of your own life and uh, into a movie, yeah. like what would it look like? I mean, how much would it be like embellished, or would you change things? Right. Would you tweak things? I mean, it, it always right. interesting so, to think about that. I know one. That's detail. a great point, John. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm only forty years old, and I'll tell stories from like two years ago. Yeah, and, and it'll be just this great <laughs> fucking story. And somebody, some asshole like Nate will be like, bro, that's not exactly <laughs> what happened at all. Literally none of that. But it was the spirit of what yeah, happened. Exactly. I'm just trying to tell yeah. it so that it's more interesting. Yeah, thanks, thanks a lot, Don. And, now, now, now he's going to just scream back at me. It was in the spirit of the moment. <laughs> Those things could have happened. Don, Don said it was okay. Don thinks it's great. Don, going back to your pod real quick, yes. I, like I, I know that you uh, you you did the Donner Party, and and one of the the book that you chose, mm. you there's so much material out there, but you went mm. for the book that you found the guy that is trying to be the most objective and just kind of had collected all these different stories, sifted through them, and and I appreciate that because I mean that's the thing that I think a lot of people don't do. They're going to hear the most sensational thing, and they're going to they're going to gravitate towards that. Whereas if you really want to get down to the actual what happened. You need to find the person that just is doing this for for purely pretty much objective reasons, and and I, I think you kind of take that that path on your pod. Is that true? Um, yes and no. <laughs> on the one hand, I do try to because a lot of times my guests will assign me subjects that I have no prior knowledge of, and so 
to the to our conversation earlier, I know I'm going in with my own bias, which is what do I think is most interesting? What little tidbit is caught in my brain that I'm going to like start and pinpoint my research or what what leads me down various paths, you know, as I investigate. And I'm also looking for the most fuckable shit, right? So because <laughs> like because oftentimes my guests are not as interested in history as I am, but they picked a subject that they're really interested in. And so I am trying to get them, you know, and keep them a little bit. Um, but the the source that you mentioned specifically about the Donner Party was C.F. McGlashan. And he had a quote that I really kept with me ever since I read his book on that episode, which is he said he didn't feel the need to embellish the gruesome elements of the Donner Party because the truth is sufficiently terrible. Yeah. And um, and I I've literally like like kept that in my back pocket when I do feel a need to not embellish, but maybe spend a little more time on something than the history books did or you know, I and I think, you know, the truth, the truth is sufficiently exciting. And sometimes it's okay for me to just tell it. I don't have to try so hard, you know, yeah, but yeah. I also can't help it because I'm a, I'm, I'm a fan, like I'm a fangirl of history. Like I, if, if we went on a road trip, like it takes for fucking ever because I stop at every stupid fucking roadside, <laughs> you know, those guys, the, you know, the like two where there's like some assholes selling rocks and they are like somebody you've never heard of died here. And I'm like, Oh, you haven't heard of him yet. <laughs> but we're going to find out about this guy. You know? So, so my, nice. my, I love it my dad is a, is a big fan of our pod. Um, he's a home teamer, my dad. And, uh, so, so when we started talking about, you know, promoting your show on the, on our, on our show, you know, talking about the, you coming on the network and how much we liked it, he's like, Oh, I'm going to go listen. You know, my dad sits around and listens to a lot of podcasts and like, he just start, he's raved about it. Like he, he, my dad, oh. I, he lives down the street. So every day for like a week, he's like, Oh, you know, I listened to another one of the, the Donner party. You can't even believe what happened. He's just telling me all this stuff. <laughs> so you got to tell Zach to listen. Zach's going to love it. That shit is so gory. He just, <laughs> so like my, my, my dad insisted that I make yeah. Zach listen to your Donner, Donner party episode. So anyway, I just, he, oh. he would kill me if I didn't, if I didn't pass it on. So Keith, Keith uh, is a big fan of your, oh. uh, of the health Keith. podcast. <laughs> Anyway, he'll listen to this oh, and be shit. delighted. Well, I'm a big fan of Keith. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Keith. Uh, yeah. um, that so, fills my heart. So, um, so Don, I, I know you've done a bunch of a bunch of episodes. I'm curious if there's like just really quick. Is there like one like historical thing that's like your like Mount Rushmore that mm. you want to cover that you haven't covered yet? Like, what's like the really like exciting like super fuckable thing that you haven't gotten into yet? Oh God, that I'm. That's such a good question because there is act. There's one. There's yes. One. I know. There's always and one, I, right? And I started with my favorite. My episode number one is my arguable number one. Like these two fight, which is Frankenstein. Mary Shelley and Frankenstein are my. Uh, I've. I've. I'm. I know you guys are already fans, but um, <laughs> I am a, an expert. And I've been like invited to global conferences and stuff to talk about Mary Shelley and Frankenstein. And mm. uh, I, I, I wrote and performed a one woman show as Mary Shelley that was in a museum that still is in a museum, but I don't obviously perform it anymore. And um, and that's really my kind of niche. And I love, love, love it. Um, the other one that I haven't done a health episode on because I'm saving it. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saving it for because I don't know who like who is going to be the one. But um, it's George Washington. Oh, okay. okay. 
General General George Washington. My daughter's middle name is Washington. I am a huge fan. <laughs> and and him and specifically George Washington and Benedict Arnold. So I feel like um the the episode that has not yet been made is the Benedict Arnold George Washington episode. And it's because it's like every time I talk about it, I start breathing really fast and I can't like who do I what do I say? And I, and I was is it, like, where would I start? And is and it it's the fact too big. that he's six four or the wooden teeth really do it for you? Like what is, yes, what, yes, is the, yes, what is the what is the George all of the above. I love it. All of it. it. It's such a it's such a swoony high school crush. It goes from it goes from like adolescent girl high school crush level, my love of George Washington to just like he's so cute, <laughs> and he was the first, and he's so tall, <sighs> and um to like deep sort of like his love of Mount Vernon, and the way he speaks about Mount Vernon, his his home is the way that I felt about my childhood home. And there's points during the Revolutionary War where he's, I know because I've read all the bullshit, he's tits deep in everything. You know, they th- he thinks Lee is going to try to take over and everybody's warning him about internal struggle and there's no chance that this rabble army is going to win. There's no chance this rabble army is going to win against England, the best military on the face of planet earth also they're like our parents kind of and like we don't even know how many guns we have and there's no but he's it's just this crazy and in the midst of all this he would write letters back to the estate that would say things like we really have to make sure we trim those rose bushes and also i heard that the cook is in love with the gardener so when we move to the winter, we have to make sure the cook and the gardener stay together because I don't want to bring oh, up wow. a heavy. And I mean, and I mean, and this is, and this is like while, uh, you know, from the timeline as you're reading it that he's writing this from a tent where he can hear the blast. He's just dictating. The it army's he's, hungry. He's crossing the river. Yep. He's just like, oh, scrap. I mean, this. so and and his his the the his unique ability in history to decline power at a critical moment. I, to I, to not only not pursue absolute power, but to 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 artfully and definitively say no, words. I won't take this absolute power, and I won't let the person who comes after me take it either. We're going to write this shit down. It's so rare in human history and so lovely. I'm I'm an AP government teacher, and and Washington. When we talk mm, about the Constitution mm. Convention and stuff, it's like the fact that he was there basically because they knew that he was going to be able to be the in between any type of controversy. Mm. He could step in and be like, come on, guys, you know who I am. Like, let's let's get this shit together. So loved. Yeah. And then, of course, yeah, giving up the power. And then that that becomes the precedent that everybody just follows. They're like, fuck, he did it. So um, that's the way we're going to do it. And, of course, until FDR. Yeah. But, but until, <laughs> yeah. well, yeah. And and his and his like the, the necessity for the people who came after they it was important that they even had to pretend that they didn't want the job. Yeah. Like that was actually kind of important that you had to be really coy about it and be like, if you guys think I'm worthy, if you guys think I should be on the ballot, then fine, <laughs> is actually a really important quality in a country that has just decided no kings, mm-hmm. you know, and to try to decide. So who's going to rule us? You have to be like, I don't really want to do it. But <laughs> <laughs> You guys are listening to Bez Video you know. Kingdom political podcast. Hope you guys enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. I can't help it. No, no, we love it. We love it. Scott, you had a question earlier. Actually, it pretty much got answered through that question. I was going to kind of ask what, if there was a particular subject or anything that kind of got you into history that you fell in love with. I know when I was in school, um, did you guys have Mr. Russell still? Oh yeah. Yeah. 
Eighth grade. God, such a, yeah, Civil my War. favorite te- history teacher ever. And Civil War was my thing I still that have I'm so the, fascinated so, with. You, you, if you got a perfect score on the Civil War test, you got the, a fake silver bullet. I yep. still have mine in a little box downstairs. I got, I got one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh you guys right. are nerds. We, 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 we <laughs> oh, Mr. Russell. We had an eighth grade yeah. Civil War. Mr. Russell. Mr. Russell. Civil War I teacher. I want to meet Mr. Russell. He I, and this is back when you can get away with shit. Uh, this is, I mean, the 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 early '90s or whatever. And he had a, a cannon, a little replica cannon, and a replica uh, musket that he would fire on the fucking playground. And and <laughs> yeah. the sixth graders had no clue what was about to happen. And all of us eighth graders would be just sitting there, so and he would just kaboom, and you would see kids drop on the middle of the campus, like just go down, like what the fuck's going on, <laughs> dude. And he looked yeah, just it, like Ulysses S. Grant. It was fucking great. Yeah, uh, he, he was a spitting. Oh him. He had the little hat and everything. Oh, yeah, it was, oh, it was, it was the, legit. The beard, the beard, it was perfect. He also had <laughs> one of the wildest things that you would see in seventh grade. And this was the early 90s. So I, for some reason, it was okay. He would bust out a real Nazi flag with blood on it and oh, show shit, it to I us in class. <laughs> and it was absolutely the most intense, insane shit. And he didn't like bust it out arbitrarily. He was like, this is really intense, yeah. guys. If yeah, you want to see this, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was it was just so insane as a kid to be like, oh, my God, wow. like this is. Yeah, it was really, really crazy stuff. Yeah. Mr. Russell was yeah. like a one man history channel. Small town country kids about uh, about a bunch of historical. Oh, shit. bless him. I, I, bless ha- him. I hated social studies in the seventh grade. I hated it. Like my least favorite class. Mm. And. In after eighth grade with Mr. Russell, I was like, that's what I'm going to do for a job. Yep. That's all about history. Yeah. He was the game changer for me. He was the one for sure. He's the dude that like you see in the story later, you're like, Mr. Russell. And he might not remember your name because, but I I guarantee anywhere he goes, kids are coming up to him and saying like, you were the reason I stayed in school and that kind of shit. Like he's, he's one of those teachers. He he is a historian that we should all like to fuck. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I want to fuck Mr. Russell. Yeah, I will yeah. fuck Mr. Russell. If that will help him stay in the job, if this is the reward that he needs for generations of good tutelage, I can give some tutelage That's to good, Mr. That. Russell. Good, I'd be glad. If, if cloning becomes be real in his too. lifetime, we got We got to clone that dude. All right, I got. I got. Two, I got two more questions. I have to ask, not to cut it in my my. Okay, two. One, first, have you yeah. seen the thing on Twitter that's been that's been like running around? With the presidents as wrestlers. Oh God, yes, thank God, oh yes, I God. have, and and you should know my husband. My husband was like, baby, because he he's not um, ignorant of my lusting for George sure, Washington, sure, and he was like, good news, and so and um, and yeah, G Dubs gets some. Oh my God, proper like Almond Brothers, some <laughs> real. Mm, mm. Uh, no. And I was like, finally, the world is seeing these guys the way I have seen them since day one, you know? <laughs> no, my, my wife was like, oh, William McKinley. I mean, I think yeah. him is kind of sickly, but oh. like, damn, he's kind of oh. hot. And you know, <laughs> it's like, here's what's crazy. You know who they didn't have to touch at all? Polk. Oh, James K. Polk. James, James Polk. K. Polk. He was born with that mullet. He rocked that mullet in the 1840s, and he died in that mullet, girl. And they wished, like the AI, AI wished they could have gotten the mullet as good as he had it in real life. Yeah, that's the, that's absolutely one of my favorite. That, that's why the internet was built is to do things like this. God I, bless I, the internet, undefeated. I immediately went to Taft, and I was like, "Did they do King Kong Bundy? Like, what am, yeah. what am I going to see here? Like, I was He's like, a beast. He's a Love big it. boy." Yeah. 
Um, yeah, he's Taft, thick. He's thick. He'd as get a it. wrestler or a real president, didn't miss many meals. You can tell. <laughs> he was fucking ready to go. All right. No, he my, he thick. He thick. Okay, my second question to get us all the way back to Forrest Gump. So, what's your fa- mm. what's your absolute favorite part of the movie? What, what, if you have to pick a single scene or sequence, what, what are you, where are you going? Oh, it. You know, my heart leapt. I know exactly which one it is, and it's when Forrest, uh, his mic cuts out at the uh, at the Washington Memorial and and he and then they plug it back in and he says and that's all I have to say about that and then buttercup who I know is in buttercup <laughs> right in the movie it's buttercup <laughs> right robin wright runs in robin wright yeah comes running out and and buttercup, buttercup. <laughs> and i just i jenny and i and they hug and it's just so beautiful and so pure and that is my favorite all all, all time like movie shot ever with them. Like when they pan back yeah. and they're standing there like right center of uh, that pool and the yeah. obelisk behind them. And that, ah, oh, just so epic. And her, her running across, uh, lifting up her dress in the water. And yeah, it's just so cool. Uh, when I, when I, I've been, to- and you know what? And it's, and it's romance. Cause you know, but it's also like childhood friends stuff. And like, yeah. Yeah. I love the romance. I love that they love, I love that they have a baby. I think that like, I think it's all great. The romantic heteronormative aspect of it is great. But in that moment of them like running across the pool is the love of children yeah. seeing mm-hmm. their childhood friend. And it's sort of sexless and just like that really pure nugget of joy we're all born with. And because he is so, for lack of a better word, simple, it's just like, it's you. That's, you know? that's, and that's, it reminds oh, it reminds yeah. me of that little video that went viral. Of, uh, it's like the, the little white boy and the little black boy. And they, they see each other on the yeah. street and they yeah. went running up to each other. They hadn't hung out forever. And like, they're just like, oh, they go up and they give a big each other hug. Like it's, it's yeah. got that same vibe for sure. Well, and it's, it, yeah. I mean, that, so. I was just going to say that's kind of, she said it right. Like that's kind of the impactfulness of it is the sexless nature of yeah, it. Right. Like Everything Zach said, I'm, I'm gonna say. <laughs> everything he's about to say, I was also going to say, just FYI. I'm just saying, like, the inherent, like, lack of sexuality in their relationship is just kind of endearing. Right? I was going like, to say that. The fact that he loves her not in any way. And, I, and it's funny to talk to the girl that has the history of like to fuck episode about it because it's like the inherent nature of the fact that he doesn't want to fuck her. Like that's right. his last thought. His last, his last thought, thought, is, thought is having sex or the sexual nature of it. And and his his first thought is that he just loves her so much so as much. a person, yeah. which is just kind of wild to think about. It's kind of like. I was going to say that. Yeah. Well, you know, and you know, it's also too like, and it's so. This is one of the things I love about Forrest Gump is you watch it many times, and it has that like rewatchable factor. But the fact that like Buttercup, I know her name is Jenny. Um, She'll always be Buttercup. Jenny has right has has obviously endured childhood sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. Like it is. It is implicitly and like explicitly alluded to that like her dad is a bad dude right and almost all of her relationships with males throughout her entire life totally. besides Forrest are all sexually based totally. right so this is the one relationship that is like pure to her yeah and so and when she has sex with him she done climbs up in his window and decides she wants to have sex with this guy like it is obviously 100 percent on her terms her choice her everything right and so there's something kind of 
wonderful about that too. That even though, like you said, I don't think that he even knew what was going on. He obviously didn't know what was going on because when no. he meets her baby, it takes him forever to be like, How, I don't understand. He got a daddy what, name for us what too. That was or what happened. <laughs> right. right, right. Oh, and that's the other, you mentioned the other sweet moment. The one that will make me cry every time. And I'll probably cry five or six times I, every time I, I watch Forrest Gump. Is when he says, is he smart or is he like... <sighs> Like, or is he he like does, oh, that's God. crazy oh, acting from from oh, tom hanks right God. there like when he oh, like the way God. he chokes up on his own and like he's the way he's clinching his fingers mm. and stuff well in this case oh, so early on don brad was you know in in our opening segment was talking about the fact that like he asked the question is is forrest empathetic because of the simplicity right there's a sense in which like he doesn't ever he's not ever able to put himself in other shoes or like maybe understand the like second order implications of things. And I was pointing out, there's a couple points, you know, where he may do that when Bub was dying and he kind of lies to him, you know, to try to keep him. But that's mm. another one, right? Yeah. Brad, I mean, great example. In the sense that like, he understands the complex implications of whether or not like he's, he's sort of more simple or whether or not he's, he's somebody that is more typical in terms of his like standard intelligence. I I think it makes him understand what he's gone through. It's it's because he's experienced it. I don't necessarily under, think that he understands other people's experiences. He knows that he's been told he's dumb and like, or that he's he's had to deal with bullying and stuff. So I, I see what you're saying, but I don't yeah. necessarily know if it's it, if he can project empathy beyond himself. He empathizes with himself. Like I know what I went through, but he doesn't necessarily is able to see the the uh, or uh, put his empathy on other on other folks. All right. so I don't know. All right, Zach, you got anything else? All that, right. You got anything else you, you want to say that I was already going to say? Okay, good. Okay, so we're going to move on to uh, <laughs> talking about Don. Before we leave the segment, give us the health pitch, like to, to, for for our listeners that 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 you want to like really not that you you know you've already pretty much sucked them all in, but just in case there were one or two that didn't hear the segment until now, what do you what do you got to say about health and why they should listen? Uh, well, it is. I don't know if this is the best pitch or anything, but it is truly a, an exercise for me because here's what I'm going to do. If I don't have this podcast, I'm going to make excuses to talk to strangers about history <laughs> at work in the grocery store. I'm going to do that ham hand stuff, which is like, Oh, I see you're wearing a t-shirt. Did you know that the t-shirt was invented. <laughs> I mean, I, and I, and it's too much. And my my dear friends and my enemies will all agree that oh my god, do do not make the mistake of asking Dawn about anything yeah. <laughs> or or doing anything because I I love it and I and I'm obsessed about it. And so in Hilf, what I do is I invite people to join me in my lair of historical obsession, but to set my sights on something they want to hear about. And uh, and I do a historian's deep dive. I have a history degree. I've worked for historical institutions around the world. I'm a talking head on the History Channel. And I bring all of that to whatever stupid bullshit you want me to fuck for you. <laughs> you, fit in, you fit in perfectly with our pod because uh, I, myself <laughs> excluded, we've got a couple of guys on this pod that are really big fucking dorks and dorks about history. <laughs> and like, you know, I, I love that you're like, that you're like so into it because these dudes are just holding up the table with their fucking boners right now. Just yeah. talking about yeah. history. Prove, it. Like, Prove it. Prove it. <laughs> 
<laughs> so if you ever if you ever need some super dorky uh, guests like we know we know like like uh, one of us may be an expert on like the united states constitution or uh-huh. the senate or some shit like i mean there's there's some people that could that could talk pretty uh pretty pretty specifically on your pods so oh, uh, i can't i would love it and minimum, let me give you a little sample i was in um <laughs> which i am always always enjoy um i was in austin not austin I think that's where the Texas Museum is, is in Austin, Texas. Or anyway, I was there. I was drunk. I was in my 20s. And of course, my friends take me to a fucking museum because that's where I wanted to go. <laughs> and there was a Civil War reenactor outside. Oh. And I was very excited to talk to them. <laughs> and my friends were like, please don't. And they're thinking I'm going to get into a political fight because I'm also a spoiler alert, kind of a left coast liberal. And they were like, oh, no, she's going to get into a political fight. I was like, oh, no, way more than being a left coast liberal. I'm a history nerd. And I want to know why this idiot's out here in wool. Why is he wearing and this gray wool? I need, because if he, <laughs> right. Because if this guy's out here in wool, I, I see he's on the wrong side. But he's also out here in wool, and that means he loves history, and that means we are going to have something to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, like, I'm, like, 20s, hot, and, like, a mini skirt, and, like, yelling at my friends, like, let me go talk to him. But it's not a hot guy from the bar. It's the middle of the day, and it's a Civil War (laughs) reenactor. You're trying to talk to old Johnny Red. (laughs) Exactly. I'm just saying I come by this authentically. Like A six-year-old man wrapped in a a Confederate flag sweating on the curb and and you're like, let me talk to yes. this fucking guy. And I'm like, what do you mean, northern aggression? What is northern aggression? <laughs> <laughs> you know. uh, I can fix him. I don't know. Uh, anyway, they let me. They, they saved me. <laughs> all right. Well, right now, the Bev's Video Kingdom is the uh, podcast of the month, and you have the unfortunate honor of having to follow us next month. So good luck with that, Ooh. because Hilf will be the podcast of the month for the deluxe edition network next month so yep. congratulations and uh good luck spoiler uh, alert look at that oh good my luck. god well good. you guys are your your ad is gonna run in my mid-roll for my oh. next episode it's already there oh. it's already yeah. there okay, okay. <laughs> do we uh, did she have the new did, are, are you playing the clean version or the dirty version yeah, that's the question i don't i feel like when i say fuck all the time i i i would i'd be like there's, this sounds too clean. I'll, I'll put fucks in. If it's the clean version, yeah. I'll edit them back in. Well, there's, 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 there's one that's beeped. Yeah, it just talks about shit. And hopefully you have the new one because I, I did a shitty one, but we did do a, a newer one. So hopefully you've got that new one. A lot of, a lot of shit talking. We'll, we'll compare notes. We'll compare notes. Before <laughs> okay. it goes live. All right. Well, thank you. For, new thanks new. for coming on. Uh, we are <laughs> looking forward to having you back next week for our draft ju- as our draft judge. So we will see you then. And until then, somebody go listen to Health because she's awesome. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Don Brody, a comedian with a history degree and the host of the podcast, Hilf, History I'd Like to Fuck. Each episode, I am joined by a new guest who has brought me a subject from history that they want to know more about. Then I hit the books, I dig deep in the annals, 
and stimulate. <laughs> We've covered Frankenstein, Houdini, Joan of Arc, Pompeii, the Salem Witch Trials, right? Ugh. Join us and find out for yourself that history is a party and everybody's coming. <laughs> Is it a one-night stand, or do you hit it with a shovel, or take it home to mom and dad? It's like, fuck, marry, or kill, it's Shag Snack Body Bag. I don't know what that was, but it was perfectly fine. <laughs> I'm assuming that probably phone. Zach's phone is connected to his Bing. computer right now. <laughs> and it just gave us a little alert. So That's we might perfect. have to tell him to, to silence yeah. that shit when he gets I like it. Back. If it works perfectly with our music, we should just keep it up. Yeah. That timing was perfect. All right. So we're shagging, we're snagging, and then we're body bagging. I want to know, Brad. I, I just real quick, I want to give a shout out the fact that our guest was a lot of fun. Dawn from Hilf. So great. Going to be back next week. Out. Yeah, she's going to be back judging us, and that, that's when it gets scary. I won't know if I like her next week, but right now. <laughs> she was great. She's pretty cool as fuck. So. Yeah, and her, her, and her, her uh, podcast is great. We, we said it. You know, sometimes you're like, well, are you saying that shit to her? But it is really good. So listen like, to it 100%. If you like history or funny things, you should listen to her. Brad, what are you shagging from Forrest, Forrest Gump? You know, we, we talked about this earlier, but it, it's 100% Bulldog Gump. The fact that he can go from zero to sixty, in 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 all the right moments. I mean, at least when he thinks that uh, like he needs to protect somebody, mm-hmm. that dude will go into just rage. Like he does what he needs to do. And I mean, how many times he just thumps random guys just because he, <laughs> he, love it. he thinks that anybody's doing anything wrong to his Jenny or or when he's trying to you know get a bub out of the out of the jungle. Like it's just he's a savage. Well, at the Black Panther party. Wait, that those, oh, those punches well, he was laying into that guy, and he wasn't stopping. Yeah, the, oh, he was like, "I'll the, just, I'll just kill you." The first time at the girls' college, the the, the punches look kind of dumb because it's it's super slow. Like it's like it's yeah. like kaboom, kaboom. Like, like but a, then like a rock him, sock him, robot. <laughs> totally, <laughs> kind of. But then when he goes to the Black Panther party, I mean, he just starts unloading. He's he's he's, I mean, messes that dude's face up, yeah. deservedly well so, deserved, of course. Yeah. So yeah, so uh, the the bulldog Forrest Gump is I, I got to shag that because you know. He's so nice. He's so kind. But when it comes time to uh, throw down for the good cause, you need him on your side. <laughs> I love, love that. It. Awesome. All right. Give it to me. I'm going to, I'm going to, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but I'm shagging the bullets flying by your head. The, the war scene was the most realistic war scene that I'd ever experienced at that point. There hadn't been a movie like that with that, the just, and the surround sound and hearing them zipping by your head. When they first are getting attacked, it was scary and crazy because like um, Saving Private Ryan was like four years later after this, which I, I didn't realize. And like, so this was like the first time I'd seen like you, you feel like you're in battle and dude, that shit. I just remember how fucking scared I was in the theater going, oh, my God, this feels like I'm in battle right now. And dude, that shit's badass. Yeah, aggressive sound and and very well sound designed and all the little traces that are flying by and yeah. stuff. Those traces and are flying into the camera. It's just like it's like yeah, right at it. The one dude's it. like gun gets shot out of his hands and it's yeah. like bouncing off and stuff. Like it, it was crazy gory too. Like like one guy was all burned, like half of him was all burned up, and like those guys get hit with a rocket and just pretty much just disintegrate in front of them. And it was a pretty brutal war scene. Even the first guy that hits, I mean that little poof yeah. of blood is just like and then he just goes down. It's 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 aggressive. 
So I'm shagging a controversial shag here. I'm taking Jenny. So I it, can't wait to hear this. So it's controversial on well, first of all, Robin Wright is both beautiful in this and a great actress. Right. Like she she's like the performance is terrific, but also mm-hmm. I'm because you know we follow a lot of like, you know, movie Facebook pages and forums and things and there's an incredible amount of hate for Jenny the character as though she's just like a real piece of shit. And I just disagree. Like I, I, I'm not saying that she doesn't do some like questionable stuff, but she's like she's a very real, complicated character. Like my take on Jenny is like you know she's she's sort of seen as like the she's clearly the secondary character, right? She's throughout the movie, mm-hmm. so she's secondary in terms of like being a persistent character. Um, and I think a lot of people see her as being like sort of unequivocally bad, or just not very interesting. And I think on the more I watch it, the more I like the Jenny story. And the more it makes sense to me, and the more that her character behaves the way that a complex character with her background would behave. Right. I mean, it make it makes sense. I mean, she was abused sexually, and you know, I mean, that's that's what was interesting. How he's talking about he doesn't even understand, even as he's telling the story as an adult, what had happened to her. He's exactly. like, he was a loving man. He's always touching him, and yeah, he he has no clue what she's been through as yeah. far as trauma. All right, Zach, what's your shag? If I'm going to shag, shag anything, it's going to be uh, Robin Wright. I mean, I think I think we already talked about how just like polarizing and amazing her character is. I think she's a super beautiful, super amazing actress. And I think that part of what is so polarizing about her character is a testament to how good of an actress she is. I think that she really does the part justice and it also has to do with the young actress that plays i don't know what her name is but the young actress that plays jenny too which is like she's not spectacular as far as acting goes but she sort of emotes and makes you feel for her and you sort of you know you go along on her journey of like just troubled childhood to troubled young adult to just like fucked up adult to like sort of normal kind of motherhood adult until she tragically passes away it's just a it's a wild ride completely separate from all the historical stuff and all the Forrest Gump stuff and uh I don't know it's 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 one of those things that you don't notice I think one of you guys said I think Nate said it earlier like you don't really notice it on the first like two three watches and then when you watch it for like the seventh time you're like oh my god dude this is a wild ride for the character of jenny so uh that's what i'm going with robin robin wright in in house of cards a lot of people always gave props to kevin spacey like for kind of yeah. leading that show oh, but she's phenomenal. she was the she's heart the of that of show and 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 when she kind of got to take over towards the, the last couple seasons god she was like evil and conniving but also just like commanded the screen so like yeah she's she's a hell of an actress no doubt and and princess buttercup in uh in princess bride i mean she's done tons of great shit all right what are you going to snag brad so so my snag is and and it's gonna it's also gonna segue later into my body bag but my snag is the the running on empty montage easy for you to say that that is such a silly 
weird, funny, whole little montage of him running. And it's like, cause she says you were running. And then all of a sudden he starts running and it's the songs playing. That's where he has the whole, uh, uh, the shit happens. <laughs> that's where the whole have a nice day and like all that stuff that starts going on. It's so cartoonish. It's so ridiculous. Um, the fact that the like, people start following him while they're running and like, what are you doing? And we're just going to just going to go with you. And, and he's got this whole group following him. It's like, what the fuck was really going on? Were they all staying at little hotels together? Like, was this a big party? And then like Forrest Gump's just sitting there like, what the fuck are y'all doing? Like, I have so many questions about that scene, but at the same time, that scene's just joyous. The The shit happens when the truck gets hit because it's got the bumper sticker. It's such a dumb thing to do, right. but it's so perfect. I remember laughing my ass off in the theater when all of a sudden shit happens, pops on the screen, and that truck goes forward and it just gets fucking hit. It's almost a little scary, too. It's like you're not <laughs> expecting it to get hit. You're like, oh, yeah, bumper sticker, then it gets yeah, slammed. Yeah, it gets slammed, and you just, it's like, oh, my God, this but joke is so just, it's punching you in the face, the, but I love it. The smiley face on the T-shirt, though, I mean, come on. So ridiculous. So stupid. Absolutely dumb. Which which somehow, which kind of takes you out of the movie for a second, but I don't know. I guess that's kind of the... Somehow there, that there were a makes few gags where I was like, yeah. I don't... This feels too like forced in some way, but but you yeah. get right back in. Like it does push you out for a second, but it doesn't leave you out very long. Yeah. yeah. All right, Zach, what do you got for a for a snag? So my snag has to be the movie Forrest Gump inspiring the franchise Bubba Gump Shrimp, <laughs> which I, as a young man, kind of like. It really, I like I had had a bunch of jobs before that, but it was like the first job that I ever made like a real working wage. I worked as a waiter at Bubba Gump Shrimp Company on Cannery Row in Monterey. And it's like a big tourist trap location. In the summertime, it was just the amount of money that I would make as a waiter at Bubba Gump Shrimp Company was just absolutely for the young college student that I was, it was just the most insane shit. I would make two, $300 in one night in cash and then go spend two, $300 that same night at the bar afterwards, every night for five nights a week. (laughs) And it was the most fun that I've ever had. Everybody that worked there was young and in college and it was just the most fun time but the crazy thing about that job is that they leaned so hard into the bubba gump shrimp like kind of like motif that everything was forrest gump themed and every table that you had you had to do forrest gump trivia with every single table so you had to go to the table and talk to them about the movie forrest gump and you had to ask them three questions forrest gump trivia from the movie and you had to be like you know who was the actress that played forrest gump's mom and then like they would be like i don't fucking know because they were 22 and have no fucking idea what you're talking about you know what i mean and it's like the model of that restaurant, I don't know if it's sustainable and they have locations all over the United States and it's a super successful franchise. But at the same time, it's like, as time goes on and that movie turns 30 years old, it's like, I wonder how they're going to sustain if people just haven't seen the movie for Forrest Gump. So in my current job, we've been doing a bunch of these trainings. And one of the things we talk about is like, we equate like running from an active threat as 
you run like Forrest Gump and we just have these 22 year old kids <laughs> wow. staring at us like, what the hell are you talking about? dude?" <laughs> and so it's like, I don't know if the Bubba Gump shrimp company is going to make it much further uh, down the line, but holy shit, as a young kid, the opportunity to work there with a bunch of tourists coming through, spending a bunch of money. And uh, it was a super, super fun time. So that's my Shit. Well, let's not Snack. well let's not go over the fact that you've mentioned on this pod before that you served Morgan Freeman at that same Bubba Gump. I did, I did, and the presidents of the United States of America, the band. I also yeah. served them at uh, Bubba Gump. Sure. Is the is the food any good? I've never uh, been to a Bubba Gump. Is the food any good? The food is surprisingly okay. Okay, <laughs> that's the only thing. So <laughs> that's good enough. The cool thing. The, the cool thing about when I worked there, I'm sure they've got some sort of rules about it now, but you could just go and you could. Go to your little Aloha system. You could type in a drink or a food or whatever it is, and then you could assign it to one of your tables, and then you'd go get it, and you'd take it to the table, and you'd say, hey, here's your uh, vodka soda. And then they would say, we didn't order a vodka soda. And you'd say, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. And you would take it back, and you'd have a manager uh, take it off of their tab, and then you would drink your vodka soda in the back of the house. And then you go back to work. And <laughs> I love and back of the house stories. Do that the, the whole time. So that was uh, that was one of the positives. <laughs> all right, you got Scott. I'm gonna snag all the memories I've created in my own brain of Zach just living it up at Bubba Gums. That's just, <laughs> I'm picturing him just getting crazy. Just anyway, um, uh, I had a couple things we've already actually already talked about, and I'm trying to think because we already talked about like the soundtrack, how amazing it was and the technology and all that stuff. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and s- snag something off my shag list, uh, which is all the people smoking cigarettes that shouldn't be like the doctor and the bus driver <laughs> and all these people like sm- smoking in, in weird places in the movie. And so I'm going to go ahead and snag that. I think my mom says that the, that Scott, the, the high that school was- we all went to actually had like uh, the student smoking area. Like, and it was like, on campus, it was like a little place where the students could yeah. go to smoke their cigarettes. Wow. Like at one point, I was like, "That's kind of cool." Scott, that was actually the most the most historically accurate part of the entire movie. <laughs> Probably, the, uh, yeah. By all the professionals. All right, so I don't know how we've gotten this far without a full on Tom Hanks love fest, but it's time. Yeah. So I'm snagging Hanks, and I'm going to snag him on two fronts. The first one is very movie centric. So I I had this conversation with my wife where I was like, one of the things that was really bothering me when I, on this watch was whether or not Tom Hanks was kind of making fun of Forrest Gump. Like, like there's a caricature, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. the the character is in a sense, like feels a little bit exaggerated and he leans heavily into like the mannerisms that are, that are very sort of simple, simple and innocent and, so I was kind of like, you know, I, I can't shake this worry or this feeling that like now that I'm watching it, that maybe he's kind of like, you know, making fun of his, you know, his sort of like low IQ or something. And she's kind of like, no, she's like, your problem one is you didn't grow up around people that had real Southern accents. And she's like, and he's doing a reasonable, like Southern, a reasonable Alabama accent. And, and she kind of has a, she, she often is, is makes this point, which I think is, is correct, which is people associate Southern accents with stupidity like that. That's a, a common, you know, sort of like association that you find if you, you know, survey people and things. And so she's like, a, 
They, Especially people from California. Especially people from California. So yeah. A, like it's a southern accent that, that is making exaggerating that. B, it's southern accents also tend to be slower, like the pace of speaking is slower. And she's like, and people that are that, you know, tend that have, you know, below normal IQs do tend to speak like a little bit more deliberately and slower. So she's like, I actually think I think this is probably a pretty good representation of like what this character would, would be, you know, without being too much like tongue in cheek about it. And so I'm kind of, con- I, I think I was more and more convinced that, you know, there are parts where he plays it for laugh, plays the, the, the role, the lines for laughs, but he's never make playing forest for a laugh. It's always like forest is intending, tending to be funny in his own way. And I think Hanks kills it. I actually think this role doesn't work without with I, I don't. I, it was hard. I tried hard to think of another actor that I thought would do it, and I just don't see anybody else doing it the way that, that Hanks does it. It's a different movie. Um, for for that that same thing, like we we've talked a little bit about the the empathy of Forrest Gump. There is one moment that I love the line reading, but at the same time, maybe it doesn't necessarily fit with with Forrest Gump's character. Is after he's beat the shit out of the hippie dude. And they're getting back on the bus and he's like, blah, blah, blah. And this fucking president Johnson, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes, well, you know what I think? I think she should go back to Greenbow, Alabama. And loses it. And it's the first time where he's ever shown any emotion outside of immediately going to punch somebody. Right. This is the first time where he actually shows some real emotion about something. And it's like, it's kind of. It throws you off a little bit. I love it. I love the way he says it. It gets me so fired up. But at right. the same time, it's the first time where he actually like is reacting outside of I just need to go up and well, beat this well, dude up. And it and it, it what it, it gives you a hint about is that a lot of his personality is not just it's not entirely driven by being innocent. It's that he's measured. Right. Like he's somebody who is not just not getting it. He's a person who's very level, right? And he gets excited about things, but in general, his reactions to things are very level, even excitable things. He gets excited sometimes, but in general, he's like, keeps his cool, even when it's not a question of innocence. Well, he does bounce off the boat one time when he's excited to see. I wrote that down. All right. So, so, I mean, he literally comes in his, the roommate's robe without even making change of expression. He's not even, there's no change in his demeanor at all. He's very level. So, uh, so <laughs> Tom Hanks, listen to this run. This is an eight year run. Night, starting in 92, he has a league of their own sleepless in Seattle, Philadelphia, for which he wins the uh, best picture. Great movie. Next year, Forrest Gump, for which he wins the, I'm sorry, best, actor. best actor two years in a row. 95 Apollo 13, which is like the stinker of those three. And it's a phenomenal movie. Also in 95, he voices toy story. 96, that thing you do. 98, Saving Private Ryan, 98, You've Got Mail, 99, Toy Story 2, 99, Green Mile, and 2000, Castaway. Jeez. That is an eight-year run that I'll put against anybody in history's eight-year run. Jeez. I'll put that against most anyone's career. That's unreal. You know, I I, I got the old Bevimetric machine out, and I, I did some Bevimetrics, and we had not, up to this point, done a Tom Hanks movie. This is our first Tom Hanks movie that we've done in this podcast, which and is we, pretty damn awesome. And we might have a run coming. Yeah, I'd say we we had a little planning meeting not too long ago and uh you know what? We're yeah, we're gonna make up for that. Has Tom, shown it may not be last. Tom Hanks deserves a little bit of uh credit. He went on a run. We're gonna put him on a run. We're gonna put him on a little run on this podcast. I so. like that. Yeah. All right. That. So body bag. Zach what do you got? What are you body bagging? 
I'm body bagging uh, Bubba Gump Shrimp Company, the, uh, the <laughs> restaurant. Uh, they uh, they they caught caught me on some bullshit, and uh, I may have gotten fired from working there in about uh, 2003. And you know what? I, it was some bullshit. And you know what? I'm I'm still in talks with HR about uh, maybe getting that job back. So hey, we'll see. Keep I mean, them out of the body back if they can get my job back. You did admit that you were, uh, you know, stealing free drinks. So I mean, and right. it had nothing. It had nothing to do with that. Those drinks were free. <laughs> those drinks. Those drinks were not stolen. They were free, dude. Come on, Brad. Oh boy. Oh boy. Uh-huh. That's so good. Scott, what are you body bagging? I'm gonna body bag Forrest Gump telling a black stranger a story that she didn't want to hear and pointing out that he was named after the founder of the Ku Klux Klan and her not just getting the fuck out of it. The movie movie literally starts with him telling this girl that she doesn't want to hear him fucking talk. She's trying to read her magazine and mind her own business. And he says he's literally named after the leader of the Ku Klux Klan. And says they put their sheets on and had a party or something. And they're like, they're like acting like a bunch of spooks or something. Yeah, there was, there was a lot of problematic things there <laughs> oh. that she did not correct him on. No, she just she, and she sat there and just kept listening and whatever. So that's what I'm body bagging on this. That's pretty cool. Hey, that just that just goes to show is that if you compliment a woman's shoes, you can pretty much say anything. So she, <laughs> she said, my feet, about hurt. "My feet hurt." My feet hurt. Compliment on her shoes. Uh, oh boy, that's great. Like, uh, these are great shoes. <laughs> my uh, my body bag is. I, I just talked about how I like the scene uh, running on empty, but my body bag is on the nose needle drops, mm. and this movie is chock full of them. I mean, as much as people give the love to the soundtrack. There is some shit that just punches you in the face. I mean, running on empty as he's running along. Yeah. When um, she's walking out the door, she's walking out the door. It's like they've got that song going. It's like, I mean, there's just so many just. Too, too obvious for you? Very too obvious, which, free, you know. Freebird. They're infringing on my territory. Yeah, Freebird. She's about to go to fly off into the sky. Um, yeah, it's. The, as much as the music, there are some great ones. I mean, Fortunate Son as he goes to Vietnam. Like, everything about it is so, like, what's the most just on-the-nose song we can choose right now? And they pretty much do it every single time. But they're all good songs. <laughs> I'm confused because I, I don't know. I like a lot of those. <laughs> I, but, but we do that all the time on the pod. We I talk know. about the most on-the-nose. Why not? Might have one coming up. All right, so uh, I'm body bagging the one thing about Jenny's character that I both think is actually really, really shitty and I think is out of character, which is that she doesn't tell Forrest about Forrest. So, you know, she waits until he's several years old and then finally he, you know, he finds out. Well, she's keeping track of him. She's keeping track of him with a, a whole like scrapbook, scrapbook and stuff. So right. she's she's she knows where he's at. It's not like she doesn't like. Oh, I don't know where he's doing or where he's at. Well, like, I mean, she, she, I mean, a like she likes Forrest. She thinks he's a really kind person, and in the end, clearly wants Forrest to raise Forrest. Right. B, he's fucking loaded, right? Like, I mean, I'm not saying that Jenny's he's got a, a lot of money. Jenny's, I'm, I'm not saying Jenny's a gold digger, but like. She oh. kind of waited till. Why would you, you know, she likes for, she likes living in you know, there. Like she, she'd have no financial issues and like, why on earth would she not, you know? So I just, I was like, this doesn't make sense to me. It does. It ever, like all the other things that people think Jenny does that are shitty. I think they're wrong about. And I think they're totally within her character. And this is the one they're right about. And it's totally out of her character. So I think this is just a misstep. Yeah. But, 
But Nate, don't, don't you think that goes along with, with uh, my theory that I haven't expressed yet because I missed the beginning of the pod, and that's that that kid is not forced, kid. Like, <laughs> let's be real. She's just telling him that it is. He did, he did the hel- head she tilt. Decided he did the point, head tilt like, exactly the same moment as Forrest, so they're definitely... Yeah, she's got, definitely she's like, I got a plan. At some point, she was like, I need some money. I'm going to call Forrest and tell him that this is his kid. Yeah, Fuck it. But Here joke's on her because she waited till she was dying. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if she's yeah. going to pull that move, yeah. do it Do it early. Well, I mean, the deadbeat I mean, dad that was the actual father wasn't going to raise that kid. So she needed, like, I need to make sure no. this kid's, like, got some money behind him. Yeah. That's why the kid's smart. <laughs> it's not his. Exactly. <laughs> wow. Yeesh. Too yeah. soon. It's too soon. Too soon? Jeez. All right. So, uh. We are, I think, moving on to another category. Streaming time. Let's do this. Crackle, Pluto, HBO, Bananame on Crunchyroll, Peacock, Hulu, Disney, Netflix, Doobie, Sling TV, Showtime, Shorter, Fubo. What the fuck is Fubo? I'm sure it'll cause a sensation. It's a streaming recommendations. All right. So this is the part where we tell you what you should watch. <laughs> and if you liked Forrest Gump, you should watch what, Scott? If you like Robert Zemeckis, if you like Tom Hanks, if you like simplistic soundtracks, I can only think of one movie, Castaway. Oh, good call. Yeah. Cause, and what's crazy about that is I didn't even think about this. One day I was watching it, and the minute he's on that island, there's no music. There's nothing until he's off the island. Oh, wow. I don't think so, I ever realized. Yeah. So next time you're watching, there is nothing other than the sounds of him and, and what he's doing. It's just completely nothing. No score, no nothing? Nothing. Okay. So anyway, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, we we're talking about uh, Alvin Silvestri doing the, the for uh, Forrest Gump. And, you know, I saw him listed as he did this one as well. I was like, well, what did he do? But I don't remember the beginning music. <laughs> either, so. Anyway, but yeah, Castaway is on fucking Fubo. That's a sneaky good good recommendation. Right Fuck there. is Fubo. Brad, what do you got? Um, so I was thinking of of movies that that take you on like a little adventure and they're like almost like little vignettes and stuff. And I believe I'm I mean, we've done a lot of episodes now and, and I've probably recommended this be, uh, before, but my recommendation is Amelie, which is a, a French movie, Audrey Tattoo. Mm. Um, and it is uh it's it's got kind of a same thing. She's she's very awkward. She's quiet. She's shy, but she starts interacting with all these different people's lives and kind of like brings little connections together and stuff. And it, and it's a very interesting way. And and you watch it, and it's just kind of got this little magic about it, and that it, it flows, and you just kind of want to find out oh, what's she going to do next. What's she going to do next? And it kind of gives you some of the same vibes that you get from Forrest Gump. So um, the problem with Amelie right now is that it is not um, streaming anywhere, but you can rent it on pretty much all of the normal rental bullshit. Is is, is it a cartoon? Like no. the, the cover looks like it's a cartoon. It's the, no, the, no. the style is very it's interesting. Very colorful. They they did a lot with the filters as far as the the color, and it's it's a very pretty movie. Do you have a copy of the DVD? I might. Do not. I no. don't. But I was going to ask if you could give it to me so I could not watch it for the next 20 years. Oh, boy. <laughs> I know. I've mentioned this before. So if you haven't seen it yet, I it, it's a it's a good watch. I really think uh, uh, I, I think you and Court would, would dig it. Perfect. I'll put it in my queue and then not watch it. But see, okay. I, I also said that Court needs to watch it. So <laughs> it's not that that I think over overarches. If it was just I need to watch it, then you, you go ahead and convince her and then I'll get on board. <laughs> yeah. All right. Zachy, what's your streaming recommendation for Forrest Gump? 
Can you can you can you throw it to somebody else? I'm not ready for yeah, that yet. I, I gotta here, fucking bro. get ready. Here. All right, I'm gonna. <laughs> I, 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 all right, I'm gonna do it. All right, so for me, uh, I also went with a Tom Hanks movie, and it's one that's I think further off, significantly further off the beaten path than Castaway, and that is the 2004 subtle flick, The Terminal. Mm. I never so, watched that. I never seen any. So there's two cool things about it for me. One, like it's a very heartfelt movie. It, like, it's one of these that it's not the same in that that um, Tom Hanks' character in that is not you know like sort of innocent and simple quite the same way as Forrest Gump is. But they're both true stories. They're both true stories. That's one <laughs> part of it. And <laughs> so so two things. One, he he he's a fish out of water in the sense that he's a foreigner in a United States. Uh, in a U.S. airport, I thought he's Charles de Gaulle in in France. No, I don't. No, he's in New York. I think he's at either JFK or LaGuardia. Yeah. So, could, because he's going to like a jazz club in New York, that's where he's trying oh, okay. to go. And so, this are you challenging me? Oh the no, guy who I, hasn't seen the movie. No, <laughs> <laughs> the the real life dude was in Charles de Gaulle. They they Americanized it. Cool. So you, you my bad. You read the article from Newsweek. But yes, you didn't watch it. I'm sure. Great. Got it. Okay. So <laughs> so one thing I like is that he's similar in the sense that he's like got an innocence about him and, and a very kind kindness. The second thing is, have you ever imagined like living and having to live in like an airport or a, or like a Walmart or like there's some fantasy there where you're like, Oh, what would I do? You know, it's right. like, it has a little bit of that night at the museum feel from when you were a kid, right. Where you're, you have to live in this space. That's not really a live living space. Um, but there's like, I've got the answer, Nate, you know what you do if you uh, have to live inside an airport? What? You just eat shitty airport food and drink the entire time. That's the <laughs> only thing you can do. That's it's terrible. an absolute nightmare. No, it's not a nightmare. That's great. I like airport food. I, no, dude. No, it's never <laughs> as good as real food. It's always like slightly off. It's like whatever the school cafeteria calls pizza, that's like the same thing if you get pizza at the airport. Like if you go to like the TGI Fridays, never taste like a real TGI Fridays. It's always like some sort of like, fucking weird concoction that they've come up with and like it's all got the same breading and it's all fried in the same oil and it all kind of tastes like homogeneous 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 <laughs> i think both are accepted fucking i don't know man. Are, are, are you talking <laughs> shit about the ross cafeteria pizza because that's blasphemy you, Dude, you throw a square I, slice of pizza time, on a piece of wax paper. <laughs> I'll eat the wax paper the and little, the pizza, and I'll love the it. The little chunks of uh, the little chunks <laughs> the little of pepperoni, pepperoni in there. Oh, yeah. fucking the, delicious! The, the dog oh. foods disguised as, pepper, as pepperoni. Yeah, love that it. cheese, whatever that cheese was, that wax mixed with cheese Perfect. was so oh. delicious. Oh man. Okay, so Zach, streaming recommendation, hit me. Did we all? Did we all go? Tom Everybody Hanks has gone. I'm, no, Brad. No, went, I went with Amelie. Brad went some weird movie that no one likes. Nate went with a French movie so too, got, but they Americanized it. <laughs> so I've got two. Um, the first one, and I'm going alternate history and like actual history, but not really. So uh, the first one is a Tom Hanks vehicle that's actually a Leonardo DiCaprio vehicle with Catch Me If You Can, right? Oh, Supposedly based on a true story. I love the movie. I love everything about it. DiCaprio's amazing. Tom Hanks is like the guy that's trying to catch him. Um, very cool flick. I believe you can stream that on Netflix. And then the other one, which I don't think is streaming, is um, so shitty streaming recommendation. Apologies, but uh, pay three ninety nine for it on Apple, and uh, you can watch 
Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards. If we're talking about, we're just oh, making up history at this point. History, yeah. I mean, I just love, I love everything about that movie, and it's all kind of bullshit. So right. it uh, it goes right <laughs> along with uh, with Force retelling of history. I love it. I assume we're gonna do Inglorious on here at some point. I hope so. Uh, we we hundred percent have to. Totally. I think that's the best Tarantino behind Pulp Fiction. I'm I'm well for me it's my number one, but but yeah, really. Yeah. Yeah, sounds like a good conversation. We can definitely have that conversation. I'm I'm all about that. (laughs) By the way, mine is streaming on Fubo. Okay, so uh, so we have got our streamers, and now we are coming up on our final segment. No jet watch for Maverick, Mexico on that goose stick. Iceberg list Titanic, Leo's drawing that nude shit. Jim fucks Nadia like we all thought he should. Ricky and Doughboy get the fuck out the hood. Luke hooks up with Leia just like he's intending. It's time for a reshelf and alternate endings. All right. So we are on to. <laughs> Fuck you. What are you guys laughing about? <laughs> dramatic pause, bro. I'm the king of the dramatic pause tonight. I love it. Your eyeballs like look around. <laughs> What's going on? Like Susanna Hoffs. I just want to see how uncomfortable. I want to see how uncomfortable I can make you guys. Fuck you guys. All right. Susanna Hoffs. <laughs> walk like an it's Egyptian, like, bro. Walk like an Egyptian. <laughs> I forgot about that video. Oh my god, that's hilarious. All right, so we're doing reshelf or alternate endings. Sometimes we like to mix in a song that would be really inappropriate to finish with. Um, does anyone who wants to jump in the jump in the water here? Who's got some? Well, um, I don't have an ending, but I have a song. Hit us. And I figured <clears throat> a very appropriate because we're not exactly quite sure what Jenny has, but I think we all know what she has. And so a little song from Team America. <laughs> Everybody has AIDS. Everybody oh has AIDS. <laughs> I think would be a great way to end the movie. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's amazing, Scott. We're going to cut that from the podcast, but thank you for contributing your thought. I don't think we're going to cut that. I think we might leave that in. Why not? I don't sign on to this. I don't sign on to this. I've got got a movie ending song, and um, you know, this this movie uses songs that have been used in other movies, and it's, it's, you know, it, it kind of feels like sometimes it's just trying too hard, so... I feel like they would have no problem at the end just dropping uh, love lift us up where we belong, mm-hmm. which is already used in Officer and a Gentleman. But it's basically like trying to talk about his love for Jenny. And, you know, at the very end, he's sitting there like watching her at her grave. And that that super emotional song comes in. It feels like it'd be right on the nose. Just perfect. Mm-hmm. Right time period. A little late, uh, early 80s stuff. You know, that's what they wanted. So. Just punch us in the nose again. Everybody has AIDS. <laughs> I'll share. Oh boy. <laughs> well, speaking of my alternate ending, I'll share, I'll share a shit. trick with everybody that listens. If you ever go to the grocery store and they're like, "Hey, do you have a rewards card?" or anywhere that you go, all you have to do is put in the area code of the current city that you're in, and and the phone number eight six seven five three zero nine. It doesn't matter what city or country you're in. If you put, if you're in the 305 area code, you put in 305-867-5309 and you will get that, that uh, thing because there's always some asshole that puts in 867-5309 from the song Jenny 
by uh, by our boy. And I think that that would be a great uh, ending song to this movie, right? Like everybody needs to fucking know Jenny's phone number. She's not fucking. <laughs> is that Rick Springfield? Is that on every bathroom no, wall from here uh... to fucking Greenbow, Alabama? It's not Rick Springfield. Um, damn it. Uh, fuck. I should know that. I don't know why I didn't think of, of Ginny. I've got your number. Eight, That's six, seven five three oh nine is perfect. Ginny, I got your number. I mean, dude. Sports is it definitely was Tommy two times. Tommy two times. No, it was not. Definitely not somebody who's our homeboy. <laughs> I'm just saying, dude. There's if there's a perfect song for a girl who everybody has her number, it's Jenny from Greenbow, Alabama. Yeah, that would have been a great ending. All right, so I've got an alternate ending slash reshelf. Go so for it. Everything happens exactly as uh, as it had to this point, right? And uh, Forrest gets to the apartment. You know, he and he says to Jenny, like, "Is he like me, or is he?" And she goes. No, he's a vampire forest. And then <laughs> forest just, little forest just jumps up and starts eating Jenny. Just fucking tears her throat up. Oh no. Wow. Now he, he, he usually punches Jenny? anybody that attacks Jenny, he usually starts punching. Yeah. So Big Forest gets him, gets blood all over him. Big Forest gets AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> I told you everybody has AIDS. Can we cut this whole segment? No, no, because we're going deeper. We're going deeper. Anybody who's stuck with us, because even yeah, yeah, if you if you're still with us, come on. Uh, Even sappier than the the actual movie. um, Once Jenny shows up at the house and she she says I'm sick and stuff. Well, you know what? Before she died. Forrest's mom left her left him some recipes and and she had her recipe for her famous soup that Forrest loved. So you know, Forrest makes Jenny his mom's famous soup and it just so happens to cure AIDS. <laughs> and she recovers fully and they live happily ever after. Or as I talked earlier for the cynical people, um uh she actually recovers only for her to leave him and she uh she leaves little Forrest too for Mickey Rourke. You know, he's a little bit bad boy. And she goes off with the bad boy doing a lot of drugs and stuff. Little Forrest dies of AIDS because, you know, <laughs> Forrest stopped making Ginny's soup after she left. He's like, I don't have any reason to make that soup anymore. And actually, Little Forrest had, had yeah, it's and, all bad. And you guys give me shit for cleaning up fucking my song? Yeah. Jesus Christ. I quit the podcast. You guys fucking lost me. A lot of AIDS going around uh, in those early crazy, 80s. That's crazy, guys. I do like the idea of Forrest curing AIDS and somehow meeting up with Magic Johnson in like 1993 oh. at some point. And like, that's how Magic Johnson like comes up with the, uh, I think that's like a cool continuation of Forrest influencing all things pop culture. And then like he, he introduces like young Forrest to Michael Jackson and uh, that like kind of fucking influences that whole situation zach you could have written forrest gump too because we talked about it early before you were on we talked about it early before you on and, and in forrest gump 2 there was going to be uh forrest gump in the white bronco with oj simpson oh i love that i love that like, and, and also this guy, this guy was driving fast and then also forrest gump becoming a a, a bingo caller at an Indian reservation, and this poor Indian lady happened to work in Oklahoma at the uh, Oklahoma Federal Building in the daycare when the bombing happens. 
Dude, all these, all these things are possible. All these things are possible. I think we're due He's for like, Forrest Gump too. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. That's it. Yeah. There. So, so, so I hate to, I hate to rain on everybody's parade, but Forrest Gump two does exist. The guy that wrote Forrest Gump the book that this movie is based on has already written Forrest Gump two, and it is a book. I have not read it. I've heard that it's sort Do of. Do you have some highlights? Do you have any highlights from it? No, I don't. They didn't. They didn't teach us that when we were uh, serving drinks. I, I know it wasn't too they, long they ago, tell you about but Gump but I've, in the actual Forrest Gump book, he goes to space. He becomes an astronaut, which they did not do in the movie. So. He does. It's called Apollo thirteen. <laughs> it's called Apollo thirteen. <laughs> all right. Anybody Reshelf. else got any uh, reshelfers? No. Nope. Uh, all day more. Any more? Th- no. Th- I think we. I think we covered it pretty hard with our most fucking controversial take of the entire. Uh, <laughs> no, and the, the any entire more, any more. Uh, we do, we don't even know that she had AIDS. We I mean, it's just the it's the assumption oh, wait, she for everybody. Did. Well, it's it's so. talked about on the internet. So it, I think they, she they, probably they, had. They don't think it's AIDS. They, 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 it could be at like hepatitis point, or something. I don't know. It's something else. I think it's AIDS. Yeah, at some point in Forrest Gump 2, in about 2019, December, he goes to uh, Wuhan, Japan and has a bat soup <laughs> and then uh, promptly flies back to New York and fucking wreaks absolute havoc. Oh, man. I've got a cold. <laughs> so what are we doing next I think week it's a cold jenny I just, I just i hated the part when he was you know he was inflating tom brady's footballs he happened to get a job and he was like just gonna exactly. pump up tom brady's balls <laughs> uh, all right so uh what are we doing next week well we're next week we are doing a draft of That's the right. most fuckable historical figures in film. And we're going to have back our lovely guest that we had on early on the show. Don from History I'd Like to Fuck is going to be our very uh, topically appropriate judge. Yeah. If it's anybody good. knows about hug- wait, fucking uh, historical figures, I think she knows a she, thing or two she, about a thing or two. She she likes to talk about fucking historical figures and historical facts. Her and I her like. time machine. I mean, the fact that she has a time machine, it's pretty cool. It's pretty mm-hmm. cool. So she's coming back for our draft. Fucking and fucking. The draft is going to be great. Um, I'm looking forward to not being in last place. Yeah, you, you, you need to get that dub. Yeah. I think you're about ready. Yeah. About so that's, do. that's what's coming at you. Thanks for uh, hanging with us. Bye-bye.